Welcome to Beer Plus Three, where we try to solve the world's problems one beer at a time. I'm here with the man who put and back in Anderson, Rick Anderson, and tap dancer extraordinaire, Mike Zamora. I'm Jeff. Actually, I think I wrote down table dancer, but that which would have been a much better way. <laughs> tap to do dancer that, is much classier. He, uh, much tap classier. dancer is way too classy for Mike. Though. Maybe he's a maybe he's, he's a, a good at table dancing. Maybe it's a combo. I remember you know? he, we watched him dance next to a table last week. So. Uh, That's okay. almost like yeah. table dancing. Yeah. Well, my clothes maybe are partially a, removed but too. Maybe you're an exotic tap dancer. You know what I mean? Oh, I could give that a shot as well. <laughs> well, as Jeff goes and rescues the We've cat, had a cat emergency here. So. Well, you know. Sometimes the cat will free itself, and the cat has freed itself. And Jeff uh, is going after the pussy. <laughs> Go get it, Jeff. Let's see if he can get it. Probably the oh, first he, end last time today. He, he snagged it. Yeah, that was quick. <laughs> he so, snatched it. So tap dancing, erotic tap dancing. I erotic might be able to turn dancing. that into a second job. I don't yeah. know why I don't. Well, I said exotic tap dancing, but I, I suppose that would include erotic tap dancing. But I'm not sure what. Are um, you, exotic and erotic aren't the same thing? I don't know if you've I ever seen erotic tap bigger, dancing. Exotic a bigger umbrella, right? No, There's a lots right. of jiggling involved. So yeah. well, I can I can still jiggle, so I think I can so, make um, this happen. I have a question for you guys that I've been that kinda came came to me this week and I want to bounce it off you guys and just see if I'm being like a cranky old man or if there's some merit to this, cranky which is man. definitely cranky, cranky old, old man. man. We know I, you. I, I, we know there's a 90% chance that that's what it is. I'm, I'm not afraid to embrace my We uh, might be inner cranky, cranky old man old too, man. though. Yeah, okay. See, that's but it may not may not work out. But um what what is your take on the modern like music scene nowadays? I mean, what's your general feeling about it? I don't got much time for it. It's all uh, it's the same stuff that we were listening to. Only they do it a little bit different. It sounds like crap. So why wouldn't I listen to the better stuff? <laughs> I mean, do you do you? Well, have I've any? had this mic for uh, months now, and just and you just showed me how to turn it. So my my opinion of of music scenes is probably not the best way to go. So but... we're we're all out of touch. So maybe that's the answer to what. Because have you guys seen this? Um, Iggy Azalea. Oh, I, yeah, she's great. I like it. Never heard you of her. You like that? Yeah, no. Oh, my God. Never yeah. heard of her. I was, like, having a fit watching this thing. No, morning. no. You're, it is like you're a pinnacle of mediocrity. It's 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 great if you're into mediocre crap. But, no, I watched this video of this this white Australian girl rapper. White Australian girl rapper. There's a phrase you, you, you forgot to mention day. that she's hot. You, you, I don't you, think you, she's that hot. You really haven't lived until you've heard French rap, so... French rap. Yeah, I've, and I, I have heard French rap in in France. Yeah. I, I've heard plenty of French rap, and I French rap. Okay, yeah. wow, that's that's a new one. I wouldn't. Which okay. the language is so lovely that it sounds like they're singing anyway. So yeah. Well, but anyway, I just to me it it, it blew me away because there's articles out there about how she has she has like she uh, did something that the Beatles did. I guess she's got two hit songs in like the number one and two slots simultaneously. Oh, well, I, good I guess for her. the Beatles were only. Man, I don't know, man. That oh, you, I'm you, not a huge fan of the Beatles, but that, that that little factoid bugs me, and it got under my skin this week. And I don't know. And then I'm just thinking, well, am I just am I just being a cranky old man, or is have the standards slipped so much that that they're willing to put this bland piece of 
nonsense crap. Well, it's pop music, In the number though. one and two slot. But pop there's been times. There have been times in the past, though, where pop music has been listenable, or at least... I know that you don't go to the to the top ten list for I'd anything deep. I'd like to say disco. Disco. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, so I, love I guess I guess our fun. our verdict is that I'm just being cranky. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of column A, a little bit from column B, because yeah. I mean the music industry is so huge and varied, and and there is lots of good music being made right now. I mean, yeah. uh, Neutral Milk Hotel is really good. I like yeah. people like Rufus Wainwright but and a lot of the different right. stuff that's not exactly poppy, but but that's that's always been. I mean, like back in the '80s, and that's what I feel like. I feel back like in the, the '80s, the pop music was fucking terrible yeah so. and you had to go off the beaten path <laughs> to find anything decent yeah. so and it just feels like we've come back around I and mean, we went through a long phase where the top 10 was sometimes really good stuff right yeah, right and now it feels like we're kind of back in this phase where the top 10 is this awful i looked at the billboard top 10 for the first time in forever and the only person on that list that i could even get behind and look at and think okay that kind of makes sense is um oh now his name's escaping. The piano player. Um, yeah, there's a few of those. Yeah. Barry Manilow? No. Um, Liberace? <laughs> the Unabomber? He was a piano player? In his free time. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> but I, just most of what I was, you know, there's like um, Miley Cyrus and uh, what's She's his name? He's not a piano the, player. The, <laughs> Robin Thicke. <laughs> she played a few fl- flutes. Yeah. I got so confused by the Robin Thicke. I'm like, what? wasn't he in a sitcom years ago? Why is, yeah. why, yeah. is yeah. why is Martin Thicke or whatever the hell this Alan. guy's name is? Alan. 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 See, I was thinking Alan, Alan Thicke, Thicke yeah. the whole time. I'm like, everyone keeps talking about this Robin. Finally, we were watching Graham Norton, and he was on. I was like, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, bad music. Yeah. It's listenable. It's pop. It's you know. Yeah. You, you know. I think what Rick's really arguing about here is the fact that uh, this top ten list is controlled by not him. You know, if, if if he would go out and buy albums, he could promote his bands up to the top. If, if all of us old fuckers would get get together and buy a few albums every now and then, you know, maybe we yeah. could change this top ten list to what we want. I doubt that. No, I doubt that. <laughs> uh, I, I just to me, I remember like a, through the nineties, it seemed like a lot of the top. Top music was was all decent stuff, pop, and the pop first music, pop music, yeah, and it seemed like the uh, pop pop music. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I just it just kind of got under my skin when I read that, and then I went and started looking into it, and I was just kind of bummed out by it. Well, you, you know, if you want to erase. <laughs> If you want to erase some of those bummed out feelings, what I suggest and what I did earlier this week is, you know, that we record this podcast and upload it to a, a platform called SoundCloud. Yeah. I was going through SoundCloud and listening to, you know, music, yeah. all in, completely independent artists, and, and I ran into a few of them. It just blew my mind. I ran into French rap. Yeah. That was just excellent. There's this band out of Seattle, Hands of Vengeance. My God, they just, you know, yeah, hip-hop. You, you've been posting quite a few of those. Man, things, their so. songs are just, you know, just knock my socks off. So, you know, I, I'm going through this platform just finding music by indie people, much like ourselves with mm-hmm. our indie the podcast it's like yeah. there are people out there making good music i think i think much uh well, along there's the... people out there making good podcasts i'm yeah. not saying we're one of those no, people but... we're not not, not <laughs> us we we found hey, a place that where we can pay a... and they'll host there you go there you go um well what about our rss feed i mean what was there any fruition on that are we on itunes uh, and, uh well we did uh, put in the application s- process and now we're just waiting they have to go through and listen you know it's there's uh, human interaction for that it's, it's not just you apply and a robot says okay you have to apply and then a human has to listen to it and make sure that you're not breaking any copyright laws this that and the other oh, and then they oh, allow you on it's so funny because uh that's almost uh, that may be something i bring in up at uh, when i go see uh uh 
Greg Frupa's podcast next week because he's always like just playing random songs off of his iPod, off of his uh, iPhone. And I'm like, well, how are you not breaking laws here? Because, uh, but I don't know. I'm, I, 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 I seriously am going to ask him that. I'm like, is, are you breaking any copyright laws by playing these? Or do you have a lawyer somewhere that did? Or, or does he not really, did, does he keep the clips pretty short? Because I, from what I understand, if you keep the, the clip nice and short, you know. He's then, played almost entire songs. Oh, well, then he's probably opening up himself up to the possibility of it. Yeah, I don't know. You know, but who's who's going to go after old Proopsie, man? Everybody loves him. He's adorable. He is. He's pretty awesome, and I can't wait to see him. Yeah. Wow. Rick just took off, and he's I thought he was going to go pee on tree number three. No, all he's answering. He better stop moving. He's, he's going to lose signal. Is really. <laughs> yeah. Welcome I... to Rogers Wireless. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, uh, SoundCloud gets a thumbs up from me. You know, I've been, absolutely, they've been good to us. Discovering a lot of music that I would never ever run into, yeah. and it's all new music, and I ain't complaining about it. But it's are not... they full songs? I mean, because I've yeah. seen some that are like, "Yo, this is only ten seconds long," or "This is a forty-five second thing." And, and it's usually like sound bites and and things that people would mix into a some sort. Right. Of no, ev- everything I've run into are you know full length songs. Um, a, lo- a lot of it, you know, a lot of them are the DJs that are up if they're remixing songs and whatnot, mm-hmm. or they'll take somebody else's song and change it up and make it their own. And, and you know, a lot of it's that. But you know, there's a lot of original stuff up there that i've found and uh hands of vengeance digging it yeah i ha- i'll have to sit down and listen to those uh, is it is like heavy metal stuff or no it's it's like it, hard... it's hip-hop and it's a uh, very much like an old band out of the 90s the grave diggers it's all it's kind of you, is, can't, you, can't, you can't you can't call it death metal but it's like uh you know maybe you if you're familiar with the misfits and how they had that kind of macabre tone you know it's hip-hop with a macabre tone Drawing pictures of us. Yeah, yeah. there's Rick and Mike. Mike. It's, it's Black. Black. One Rick with one Mike. <laughs> there, there's an artist amongst us. Very yes. nice. Yes. That might be our logo uh, for the next podcast yeah. that goes up. There you go. <laughs> there you go. But no, um, uh, why don't we get it to our uh, first beer? Why don't we get to our first beer? And uh, while uh, you're opening and pouring, I'm going to go ahead and kind of list out what our what our subjects we decided on are today. Can I do this? Or uh, first of all, our... Yeah, we're going to start with Melvin. Melvin, okay, Melvin cool. all right. Um, Blue Ruin is our movie for today. I think we've all watched it. Um, uh, our subjects today are uh, porn gray matter, internet dating for middle schoolers, video games, are they artsy-fartsy, and Rogue Guy. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So our first beer is Melvin. This is uh, this is the folks oh, out of Jackson Hole, isn't it? Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Yes. Uh, the brewer, uh, the head brewer, is out of Mount Vernon, Washington. So uh, that's why we have availability of this beer from Tie Me Up, Tie Me Up Brewing and uh, Tie Me Up uh, Thai Food Restaurant in Jackson, mm-hmm. Jackson Hole. Uh, we yeah. ha- we have access to this beer because he's local. So uh, it makes sure that outside of Jacksonville, the only place you can get it is here in Whatcom and Skagit. And Very nice. lucky us, I think you'll. I think you're going to enjoy it. I think we've had this before. I want yeah. to say we have. Oh, it smells delicious! Wow, this is good. That's me smelling. <laughs> yeah, that's a great yeah. beer. This um, microphone smells great. Oh, it smells blue. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! Wow, what what's, uh, style? This is obviously. Uh, that's an IPA. It is. Yeah, really. It's a single IPA. It's it's pretty high alcohol. I think it's seven four, which is going to be real high for a single IPA. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and you could just taste the complex complex flavors in there and uh, it, the great body i mean the, the biggest problem with melvin and i was really afraid that we were not going to be able to get our hands on it and we almost didn't rick shows up this morning to to get some out of the the keg um i and, tell you man i i have like a, a growler bad karma or something it seems like every time i want to fill one there they're out. Well, they had the Baltic Porter down here at uh, North Fork yesterday, and I was like, please, please let me fill it, please. And she's like, nope. nope. <laughs> Only got about 10 gallons of it, and we got to sell it by the pint. It's like $7 a pint. It was 7 bucks a, pint, a pounder. Oh. Yeah. So, I mean, she was. she's usually pretty good about that kind of thing, because I've been going there for years now, and mm. they know, she knows me. Yeah. So, I mean, but <laughs> she was like, no, nah, I can't do it. And I'm like, Oh man, we run into that so often around here. Wow. You know, you show up at the local brew place and mm-hmm. you want their best stuff and you want to take it home with you. No, can still tell you only in a glass. Yep, only in a glass, either because yeah. of the high alcohol content or they just don't have simply don't have yeah. enough. Right, and they want to sell it by the glass because they want to get it out. Mm-hmm. Out there, absolutely. So, so, uh, so my is the beer noob misreading this or not? I, I taste like kind of a fruity flavor in it like uh, a grapefruity kind of flavor yeah yeah, yeah. yeah yep. well that's pretty common among the better of the ipas in my my mind i like that I grapefruity taste maybe it's not as pronounced or i'm picking it up a little bit more than normal but i like it yeah you gen- generally you know if you're going to add flavors to an ipa you'll, you'll want to have some citrus in there and then what a lot of them add is coriander um but yeah you're definitely definitely oh. picking up grapefruit in this one yeah I'm, you know, I'm not sure that the, the I'm age. definitely picking up the coriander in yeah. this one too. It's not as good as cider, but <laughs> no. again, it's you're fired. <laughs> it's much better than cider. Well, if you got to get fired you don't from talk any beer job anymore, this this will be my <laughs> contribution now. I like. <laughs> there you go. I like, I like Tasty. <laughs> well. I'd say that we're all in line with this one, and uh, you yes. know, if if we get availability of their double wow. IPA, certainly we're going to have to get our hands on it. It's called yeah. Two by Four, and it's a Alpha King wow. winner last year, uh, which is a big award for them to get. Especially, I think I think they're a five barrel brewery. They're really basically in the back of a restaurant, you know, making this good stuff. So, wow, yeah. So yeah, well, uh, I'll support these guys yeah. most assuredly, and they're from you know, my my home place of Skagit Valley. Yeah, oh. or as everyone else in the world calls it, Skagit. Skagit. Um, on the Skagit River in Skagit Valley. Yeah, apparently, the guy from Mount Vernon. That's, yeah, this now that's makes awesome. sense. The girl that once you're selling it to me and only filled the growler halfway, she commented that this has been really popular. So no, it's been the, going through it. If a keg lasts more than a night, you're lucky. That's that's why I was like. Rick, get out and get the beer. Yeah, Rick, get out and get the beer. Rick, get out and get the beer. Well, damn it, we'll, we'll be moving to town soon, hopefully, and I'll be able to do this a little bit. I've got a house More. kitty corner from me if you know if you want it. Oh, the one right around the corner? Yeah. Yeah, uh, we noticed that was still for sale and they still want like I think it was 160 or, yeah. No, they for that one they wanted 180. Uh-huh. But it's just like uh, we'll probably offer 160 on that one because <laughs> it needs a lot well, of work. The, the the market's turning around, so you better jump on something soon. Well, we got to get we got to add the money in the bank first, so. But money helps. Everything. The money in the bank helps. Yeah. So Anyway, yeah, lovely beer. Lovely yep. beer. Yep. And while we're talking about beer, why don't we uh, go ahead and uh, mention the passing of, uh, I believe he's the founder of Rogue Brewery. Uh, Joyce, Mr. Joyce. Jack Joyce. Uh, yes. You know, every year, my family and I, we go do a camping trip uh, down on the Oregon coast, and we're generally in Waldport, Newport area. 
And every year for like five, last five, six years, I will every time make a trip to the Rogue Brewery and do the tour. You know, I've never fallen in love with their beers, but their business philosophy has always knocked my socks off. Say that again. Their business philosophy has always (laughs) knocked. Falafel? Their business falafel? (laughs) falafel. Seriously, they have falafels everywhere. It's great. You know, they're... they're, Free falafels in their uh, employee break room. Their their big thing is dare, dream, and risk. (laughs) Falafel-y. No, it is, it, like I was impressed game. last year when we went with you guys, and uh, yeah, I was like, God, I, and I was thinking the same thing. I really wish I liked their beer more. And they, not to say they haven't come out with some good beer. If you catch some of their specialty beers, yeah. they're really, really good. The bacon one, disgusting. The bacon bar, maple bar, oh, or whatever, maple the, bacon one. The pink I, bottle. I, yeah, I was not impressed yeah. with that. Yes. But yeah, I've never they had, had a, a bacon few um, over at Green's Corner. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you guys have been in there. They usually have about five or six beers on tap that you yeah. can fill with growlers with. Mm-hmm. And uh, okay. they have a huge selection of 22s right. if you ever get a chance. And uh, they had, I think, six or seven 22s of Rogue. And I was like, shoot, I'd love to be able to stop by there and grab the, the specialty ones that I've never had before. They had a bunch. Yeah, and, and uh, Chef Morimoto of Iron Chef fame, you know, he does his beer line through them. And the ones that I've had out of there are, are really good. Um and the blueberry one we had while we were camping last year was pretty tasty. Mm, that was delicious, but, yeah. But really, it, it, it's if one thing that I always loved out of that company was their passion. You know, when you go mm-hmm. on the tour and they talk about the story of how the company's come up and their beginnings and where they are. And well, you've why, been there enough time. You could just take us on the tour right now. I could I could <laughs> take you on the tour for brevity's sake. I won't. I'll just, I'll just say that the one thing I always appreciated was that everybody there has passion. Lots and lots of passion. Mm-hmm. It's the one thing that I've always been very jealous of is the fact that I'm almost like a gun for hire in my job. You know, wherever I go, I could go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I always end up someplace with no passion. You know, you know, I, I enjoy my job a lot, but, you know, it seems like wherever I'm at, you know, the the, the level of passion is very low. And That's why you need to be the IT guy for sassies. <laughs> There's a lot of passion in that place. Well, wow. sassies, that's a call out to you. Sassies, if you want me, I'm there. Um, you know, hey, I'll work for tips, you know. And if you need a male dancer, you know, I, from what I understand, I'm not too bad at that either. So, Jack Joyce, you know, this podcast is for you. Um, and we'll continue on with our, our many, many topics that we've got today. How long has Rogue been around? They've been around, it looks, early 90s. I think they started in Ashland, Oregon back in uh, the early 90s, like 91, yeah. 92. Yeah, somewhere in there. Um, yeah. Because when I lived in Ashland, I used to go to the brewery all the time. Oh, okay, And they yeah. had just moved their brewery to, uh, I think, the coast there. Newport, yeah. Yeah, they, uh, they had just moved it because I think I lived there in like 93, I want to say. And uh, they had just moved their stuff, so. So they have a relatively long history compared to a lot of the places. Absolutely. That, yeah, that's yeah, cool. they, Absolutely. They are one of the uh, you know originals when it comes to craft First, brewing. I wasn't exactly yeah. 21 when I uh, went in, went and drank at their brewery either, but that was the early 90s, ladies and gentlemen. And so what was the Ashland, beer? Oregon was great for that. Yeah. I went everywhere. I was like 19, and they just I went to every bar. It was one of the, it's one of those little tiny places you can just walk from bar to bar with your glass, and they just keep filling it. Yeah, with your glass, and they don't tackle yeah. you. They don't throw it out. They of don't your... throw it. That's I think that's where I learned my behavior, my terrible, <laughs> wonderfully. Um, it makes people panic. Behavior is that uh, when you grow up, when you grow up, when you start drinking in a place like that, man, you you. Uh, well, it certainly set a tone for you, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so did, did did Portland have a lot of uh, breweries back then too? 
I mean, I know they don't Not have that I'm aware of. Uh, yeah. Bridgeport, so, I know, has been around for a, a good stretch. Bridgeport's been around okay. since the 90s. Um, yeah. You know, old breweries in Portland, uh, you know, that Bridgeport's the only one that's coming to mind. Other than that, you know, you're talking getting into the late 90s, uh, you know, huh. before before that scene starts exploding. So that's that's kind of cool. I mean, they, they probably, you know. I mean, I haven't read the wiki. I'd have to go back. You want facts or you just. <laughs> oh, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I am actually looking through an article about it right now, but I'm, I'm just, I was just sort of curious how they fit in you know portland seems to be sort of ground zero for the yeah i think it just kind of became that and in a lot of a lot of what that is actually is is the fact that they're the large metropolis in uh in oregon and so they have that collection but the beer actually you know you look at the shoots and a lot of the the good stuff that's actually coming it's all out of bend oh and you know bands just far enough off the road that you know it's tough to get to so a lot of those breweries end up you know having an outpost in portland Okay. Yeah. yeah, and that's where we've been to mostly. Is like the one the the shoots that we go to. We've been to a couple of times now. Yeah, that's just kind of a yeah. That's, like that's you said, it's bar. a satellite. It's a satellite institution for them. I mean, they, they, it's, it's they, just they, to get they their brew a couple of the things cool. there. They've got a really small brewing facility there, um, but mostly all of that's coming out of Bend. Um, Huh. You know, the the big one out of Bend that I like right now is Good Life. You know, everything I've had from Good Life has been excellent. Good Life is, is yeah. I, I, I definitely like their, I think it's called, what is it, Descender? Descender, yeah. The Descender is an, That is great. IPA is really good. Yeah, for sure. It is good. Yeah. Huh. Never heard of them. Worthy IPA? I'm not sure. <laughs> They're out of Bend. <laughs> it was when I drank a couple nights ago, and it came in a can, which, you know, I still haven't gotten behind the whole out of a can thing. And, you know, it's Worthy, worthy yeah. Brewing out of Bend, and... It didn't Which do it for one? me. Is this base camp? Uh, no, it's Worthy Brewing. Oh, Worthy. Sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. I was distracted by it. I don't remember the last time I had a beer out of a can. Yeah, you might not want to remember. Uh, yeah, that's probably uh, good. That might contribute there, to my... Uh, there are a few companies that are pushing for that right now, and I'm not sure oh. what the logic behind it is. And I know that you know our our generation is going to be scarred because you think of beer out of a can, you're thinking Budweiser, yeah. Miller, and you don't want anything to that, do with... That's, uh, right now in my head, I'm trying to separate whether it's... Can you actually taste that big a difference in beer in a can, or am I just associating with the shit beer that I thought was actual beer for the first how many ever years of my you, life? You know, I, th- I think the big push towards it is saying it, it keeps the beer colder. I, I, I don't know. I, I drink my beer out of the fridge, so it doesn't matter to yeah. me. It's not been sitting around outside. But, you know, I know Kulshin's doing a beer in a can. Fremont out of Seattle has a lot of canned well, beers. I, I, yeah. I certainly have drinking a lot of Guinness. Over the years, and I would say there is a taste difference between getting Guinness out of a bottle and getting Guinness out of a can. Okay. There is definitely a difference, but they put, like, some sort of stuff in the can that gives it a little bit of fuzz, so I don't... Yeah. That could be part of the taste difference. Um, Also, I have Guinness in Europe, and it completely tastes different there, but, you know. I mean, it it all depends, I think, uh, on the beer itself, uh, whether it's good out of a can or not. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, here I'm looking forward to having a good beer out of a can. I haven't had one yet, but uh, I'm sure someday it will happen. <laughs> well, this is a good beer out of a, a growler, and we're so spoiled here in in the Northwest in general, and especially here in Whatcom County, having so many breweries just very close by. I very rarely buy anything, and even in a bottle anymore, I just go because I have the. Right. I have like six to seven or eight growlers in my car at any given time, and I just stop and fill them when I'm, you know. It wasn't five or six years ago, though. If you wanted a growler filled, the only place you were going was Boundary. 
Yeah, there and, was a while, but I've lived by North Fork for so long that that's why I have so many growlers now is because I just stop on the way home and fill up a growler and come home. You well, know? I didn't even know what a growler was like four years ago when we first went and did a trip to Seaside. We do a yearly trip to Seaside with the family, and I mentioned that to one of the guys at work, and he, he brought me a growler from a place in near Seaside oh. and um, passed it off to me. Along with a whole bunch of like some magazines and some stuff about you know what to do while you're there, and I thought, well, that's really cool. And I could not figure out this bottle, you right. know. And I thought, what is he giving me this so I can get the address of this place off the <laughs> off the? And that's what I thought. And so I brought it back to him. I remember setting it down on his desk and saying, "Hey, thanks. That was all. This stuff was really informative." And I remember the look on his face, looking at the growler, going, "Oh, okay." <laughs> I had no clue what, what he dick. was giving. It what a time. dick. <laughs> Like, uh, now that I look you, back you on it. You didn't think to just ask the guy? I was like, what, what is this? I didn't. No, it didn't really occur to me. I just thought he was, you know, had a, had an address of a you, place. So you didn't even open it up and drink anything. You just. No, no, it was empty. It was empty. Oh. But I, I had no clue back then that you could take this somewhere and fill it. I just uh, thought he was giving. Because he handed it to me with a whole bunch of travel information. Here's, here's your recycling life. back. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, I don't do know you, exactly why you couldn't just write the address down for me, why you had to bring the bottle in. Do you want to give a name and apologize formally for this no, infraction? No. Because no, this person caused me a lot of a lot of hassle, so. No, I shouldn't say that. He really didn't. But, no, I don't feel like I did anything wrong. I was just ignorant. <laughs> you, you know, the problem with being ignorant is when you don't ask for help. You know, I've run That's into that true. with my kids a lot of times. It's like, hey, you know, I get that you don't know everything, but when you don't know everything, just please ask for help, well, the, you know. The it's going to make life question, easier for everybody. Yes, the person please. in question is kind of geeky and very awkward socially, so I thought that was just his way of letting me know that there's this cool little pub that we should check out. And I thought, I didn't need the whole bottle for that, so here you go. I guess I know now who the geeky and awkward one was of that of that arrangement. Right. So... So North North Fork Brewing, you know, we drove past it on the way up here. You know, and, and I can't say that I drive past it every time I come out to Jeff's place, but I know that you do. And, you know, they're another little awesome brewery that's been around for a long time in Whatcom yeah. County. Yeah. And one, certainly one of the originals. Over 10 years, well over 10 years. Yeah, really. one of the originals, you know, outside of a Boundary. And, uh, you know, they make really good beer. Absolutely. Oh, okay. And I was surprised, you know, when we were on that Portland tour with uh, Mark Martin down in, in Portland. And he, you know, that right away, he goes, where are you guys from? I'll go, oh, we're from up in Whatcom County. He goes, oh, you know the North Fork? Yeah, we know the North Fork. Yeah, I live right down the street from it. He, so. goes, he goes, yeah, man, that's, a, that's an awesome brewery. Definitely yeah. worth the little side trip off the road to getting to it. And, you, you, would, you wouldn't believe how many times I've been in there. And there's been people from, like, Portland and people that just come from miles and miles and miles away just to go there. To, yeah. To try the beer and the pizza. And, wow. And, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a mecca. It really is kind of a mecca. That's and the place is always packed. Like, uh, what was it? Yeah, was it yesterday? Day before yeah. yesterday, I can't remember what. No, it was yesterday. I went. I hit that place. Um, uh, yeah, I went there. God, it must have been three or four in the afternoon, mm-hmm. and place is packed. Right. People stand and wait. Yeah, yeah, just to get in and have some That's pizza. Cool. And there's probably only maybe uh, one, two seats at the bar gone you know, that were open. You know, so it was like that when we went. Uh, it's like month that or so ago. Every time it's open, pizza. man. Yeah. Except unless you go there when it first opened, then it just fills up like. I mean, just snap, yeah. just that fast. Mm. It's fairly amazing. So they started a great tradition here in Watcom with the brewing, and and uh, you know mm-hmm. we've got them. Uh, Aslan just opened. Uh, I made a trip in there last week. We got their IPA, uh, pretty decent beer. Um, you know they've got like a, a little different scene. You know they're you know 
they're definitely a machine, is what one one of my friends called it. Definitely a machine. But you know, we've got Kulshin, Wanders doing great things. Menace, you know, every brew that I've had from Menace. Menace, I've, every time I go in there and have a Menace, because I do when I go into the local, I try to purposely have one of the Menace. You uh-huh. know, and menace. that the Menace Brewing, the the the. I mentioned this to Caleb yesterday. The uh, the chili beer that they have, yeah. Oh my God, it was good. Mm-hmm. It was it was better than the habanero one down there, huh. down in Portland, that the Green Dragon had. But um, it was it was really good. And they've actually finally made, they made a pilsner that I like. So, the kudos to them because wow. I generally hate pilsners. Absolutely. <laughs> so, I think that's a. a, a podcast stance isn't it all, all for we can state that officially as our stance as a podcast that pilsners, like pilsners and loggers i just cannot yeah. handle i know there's a lot of different styles and i know there's a lot of different and i'm sure there's some out there that i'll probably like this one i did is the saffron pilsner was just amazing yeah i was surprised by that one we had was it two weeks ago two podcasts ago we had a one that was a, a pilsner or pilsnery one of us described it that way pilsnery yeah pilsnery so was, the last podcast sounds like the Belgian brew, eh? might have been. Don't be a hoser. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so maybe there's some cracks in that theory or cracks in that stance. Well, I still think we need to do a uh, porch porch beer episode too, and I think at one point we need to just take the yes. beers off the back of that porch and just force it down our gullet and see if we can find something we uh, I can, can go appreciate get them right now. Yeah, they're right around the. I corner would bring here. our quote unquote porch beer, but it's all very predictable stuff that we all know we hate. Angry stuff. Orchard? No. Oh, come <laughs> no, on. I got we all probably love a six-pack Angry Orchard right around the hey, corner. Yeah. Most of it is ooh, actually ooh, uh, Red Hook. that out. Sadly enough. Yeah. I have lots of Red Hook. <laughs> well, back in the 90s, Red Hook was the best. That right? was my go-to brewery. That was when me and Dave, that was that was what we drank, was Red Hook. If it wasn't uh-huh. Red Hook, it was uh, New Belgium. Uh-huh. And nowadays, I can't really do either. Well, I mean, craft we had a great time at the brew tour yeah. when we went because we went to uh, a friend of ours. She convinced us to uh, go to a wine tasting mm-hmm. down at, uh, there's a winery right across from Chateau St. Michel. They're in Redmond, I guess. And right. uh, we went to this wine tasting. Well, me and Dave went through our tokens because they give you tokens for each like tiny little sip of wine that they give you. And we went through ours so quickly, and we were just chomping at the beat because the Red Hook Brewery is right next door. Uh-huh. So we are like, we're going to go to the brewery. We'll be there. <laughs> we just yeah. left. We did a, got yeah. shithouse. We went on the tour <laughs> so many times that they finally just gave us, because every time you went on the tour, they gave you like a three-ounce Red Hook glass. Right. And we wanted to get enough to play Tablero. <laughs> so we every time we're like, okay, we only have to do it like uh, three times because we get two which, every time. Which took you like, what, an hour to get yeah. that one? <laughs> yeah. then, like, so by the time we went through, we're like standing there like two puppies like waiting for treats at the little free beer sample thing because you get to keep the glass. And she's like, were you guys just here? Yeah. Uh, okay, and like the next time, she was like, um, "Guys, why do you keep coming? We're, we want these glasses." She was like, "She writes something down on here. Give this to the bartender. He'll give you some glasses." <laughs> when we went a few years ago, when we went to uh, California, went to Disneyland and uh, Legoland, there was a ride. Yeah. Where you, it looked like you were driving a Lego car. It was like basically go karts, and it was all done in a big Lego place. Like there's Would have Lego. Been awesome if like big, pieces came off of them. Big, and stuff. yeah, big Lego. <laughs> yeah, big Lego people walking, like looking like they're starting to walk across the street, standing on the corner. There's b- little buildings and stuff and oh, signs. Cool. And um, Mason loved it, 
and would get off it and run right back around to the oh, to yeah. the line again and get right there. And the guy was doing the. And so when you're telling me the story about you and Dave doing that, I'm picturing the Legoland experience. Yeah, that's it's kind of how it was. We we're like, as soon as we left, we went right back to the back of the line, and took the tour again. And, and we every, took that to her like two or three times uh, and, and yeah. when she finally I, was like, oh, just go away. I think what you illustrate perfectly is it's funny how we get older, but we don't grow up. <laughs> no, yes. no, no. We're, our, our society certainly doesn't really grow up very much. No. no. Certainly. I mean, I wanted to, I wanted to go out and ride the Lego cars. I wanted to get in there. I would have totally done it. I don't think they were letting Or did you have ups. to be this size to ride yes, this ride? Yes, it, you know? it was for little kids. Uh, that's too bad. Damn it. Why couldn't I have been shorter? I just imagine you <laughs> looking over the fence with yeah. that forlorn look on your face. But I want to... I, but I want to... Every time they go by. It would be cool, though, if the cars actually did the bricks fell. You know, you crashed into someone. Hey, and the bricks fell off. <laughs> all over the place. Just like a Lego game, yeah, yeah. That, would, that would be pretty that awesome. That would be awesome. I, you know, I've been to Legoland a few times myself, and, and yeah. you know, I might go again if that were the case. Be, that'd make it that fun, that much yeah. more fun that I would go back. But at what? this point, my kids, I think, have outgrown kind yeah. of the Lego thing, and you know. Yeah, I think we were slightly too too old. I wish we'd gone like a couple years earlier, because that would have been perfect timing for uh, Legoland. Oh, uh, Mason was, well, Mason was probably the, okay, the right age, because he was really excited about it. I think he was like eight oh that's yeah. perfect yeah. time alex was like the alex would have been 14 so for her it was like uh, yeah yeah it's been a few years wow. back lego dinosaur see I went, I went to disneyland when I, I think we were i was 14 or 15 i think no i was 15 your first we time to, we, yeah disneyland for the first time wow. my buddy of mine um his they uh, he, he comes from a bit of money and uh, for his birthday his parents told him he could take one friend to disneyland with him Oh, that's cool. And he chose me, and, uh, you know, I, I will forever love the guy. He's, I, I've known him since we were her age, yeah. you know. Um, but uh, we went to Disneyland, and we were both, like, 15, and we had a great freaking time. It yeah. was it was a, a, the magical fucking kingdom. It was just <laughs> amazing. That's where I met Wayne Gretzky and his whole family. And, oh, no kidding. Yeah, yeah. That's they were cool. filming a commercial at the castle, you know, the big, whatever, the, yeah. the iconic castle. Yeah. And there's this family standing there, and you can see all the, the equipment the lights and all that stuff like at toward the entrance and you know you have to walk quite a ways to get there yeah across the thing and i just walked up to this woman and these kids and i was like what's what's going on she's like oh my husband's filming a commercial i was like that's cool so yeah. it's just you're just kind of a disneyland commercial huh she's like yeah yeah oh here he comes and wayne gretzky just walks up hey oh how you doing God. i was like hey <laughs> wow i'm jeff i know i'm nobody you know I, I it was cool i met wayne gretzky and i think i was more excited to meet goofy than anything else did you I, when you say you met him did you actually talk with him yeah. for a minute oh, yeah. yeah i talked with, with him so for a minute to see he, what the commercial was about is he ha- as nice and, as, as yeah he's, he's perfectly really? nice he was oh, there with cool. his family you know, what are you going to be a dick with your family in front of them no well i know but i mean a lot is, of celebrities is he just gonna is he just gonna pull off off his gloves and start wailing on me or what <laughs> he pulls out a hockey stick yeah. like a like yeah. a lightsaber <laughs> well, anybody who knows wayne knows he was never much of a fighter but uh, you know yeah that was he no he was a great guy really De- nice definitely guy. inspirational to a lot of folks that's that's the funny thing all the sports people i've met all hockey players like uh, the um the the butcher lives here in uh in in whatcom county he lives over on the lake at lake whatcom butcher uh, yeah from uh he played for the Canucks, I guess, back in the early 80s. And uh, it's back when, uh, I think in 1984, the uh, Canadian hockey team won the Olympics. 
uh, and uh, he was he's pretty famous because I've mentioned him to like people who have, who know hockey. Yeah, and yeah, he's he's hugely famous. Oh, you met Butcher Bouchard? It's, uh, it's oh yeah, Bouchard. yeah, yeah, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, but they called him the Butcher. I'm, I'm not having he, that he was he was. I, th- I guess he was an enforcer. Yeah, no, so, absolutely. <clears throat> and uh, incredibly awesome guy. You can yeah. see he's gotten this shit beat out. He's, he's kind of that boxer thing. Where he's like, Oh, I mean, he would like pause every once in a while, but really freaking nice guy. He showed me his gold medal and the, and the shirt and everything. It, it, was, a, it, was it awesome. has a reboot for a moment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I don't know if you've met many like old boxers, man. They're, they they'll do that. Some days I feel like <laughs> I didn't start boxer. talking again. He blue screened. Yeah, <laughs> Just, I got, I got, I got. Uh, okay, now we're back. <laughs> <laughs> the blue screen the blue of screen death. death. Yeah, that's what, the, that's that. what Mike. See, that's how Microsoft could make that a pleasant experience. They could sample your daughter saying it's the blue screen of death, and then you get this cute little voice saying it's the blue screen of death. <laughs> Please reboot. Yeah, there you go. See, that's there what they go. need to do. That's going to be your sample. You're going to have to say that at the end. You okay? have a you <laughs> on our podcast. All right. And I'm going to have to sample that and make that my ringtone. That's right. Nope. I'm going to Duncan Trussell went to tree number three. Oh, jeez. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, We're that's outside fine. today, ladies and gentlemen. We're uh, yeah. all two of you listening. We are outside in a uh, nice, pleasant, well, my house. Yeah. And it's just gorgeous. I out. think we're up to 40 listens on the last podcast. So, oh, really? And yeah. There are pretty flowers everywhere. There are pretty flowers there are everywhere. pretty flowers. Yes, we, I went and got flowers the other day, and these died oh, yeah. immediately. Yeah. Look at that. These are gorgeous. I yeah. forgot the flowers. <laughs> Did you want to do this or what? Uh-oh, she's pulling up a chair. Like I guess we know who's going to sit in for you yeah. if, we, if you're yeah, ever unable exactly. to make it. <laughs> No, and um, oh, by the way, we will we will have a presence at PAX this year, PAX Prime. If uh, you don't know anything about PAX, it's the Penny Arcade Expo here in Seattle, Washington. Every uh, I believe it's Labor Day weekend. Um, uh, it's a video game and tabletop uh, exposition that uh, is just fun as hell. And I've been the last three years in a row with uh, my wife uh, the first year, and of course uh, uh, Mike here. We we've been two years now, and. And I, I certainly made a decision last year that I I don't know if I'm going to play any video games. I think I'm just going to do tabletop and essentially play D&D pretty much the whole weekend. Well, you know what I discovered last year was I had a much more fun walking around and kind of looking at the video games. I mean, who wants to stand in line, you know? I know. We, the lines were ridiculous. We stood in line for, what, 40 minutes to play Wolfenstein. While it was a great game, you know, it was standing the in line. The controller killed me. But... Standing in line and watching them play was just as fun as playing, you know? So I know. I, we really didn't need to do that. But it's nice to get the tchotchke. Yeah. I like getting the lanyards every year because I use them at work. I use my lanyards. You should see how my all the PAX lanyards I've gotten. Yeah. They're mm-hmm. all frayed right here because I use them like yeah. six or seven months, and then they start getting you know, wearing down. So, so how, how do you watch people play? Do they have are they showing it on big screens? Yeah, huge, huge oh, okay. screens all over. So you just yeah. what I did last year, and, and I, I just kind of determined that it's, I don't need to stand in line. I don't need to play the game. I, I'm not much of a gamer, anyways. You know, I like little ten minute games that I can play, like Pokemon. And I, you know, it was much. Did more you ever fun. find out if they're going to have a presence this year? I did tweet them, and I've not heard back. So we'll, we'll find out if they uh, are or not. I but, hope so. You know, it, it's more enjoyable just to watch the big screens and see what the big games about. And you know, yeah. maybe along the lines of what Jeff is saying, just you know, go play the board games, or you can go to the retro arcade. The, I think the board games are a lot of fun because they're, like you said, they're about ten minutes. Remember when we sat down yeah. and played that card game? Yeah. That was a lot of fun. It and was, it, and it's nice to interact with other people because yeah. most people are either on their devices or in their own little groups talking. 
we're all get kind of geeky. Yeah. And, yeah. It, it's it's a giant palladium full of geeks is really what it is. It's a convention center full of geeks. And so we're, we're while the younger generation is is not it isn't is I and I found this with like D and D players. Like for me, D and D is like hush hush. You don't really talk about it. It's you know it's it's yeah. It's it's uh, you know it was just something you didn't talk about because it's kind of embarrassing. People who get like you're you're one of those. So you're a basement crawler. So you it live hasn't with your mom. changed one bit from the eighties, right? <laughs> exactly. But nowadays people are like, oh yeah, I play D&D and I do this and I do that. And yeah. I'm like, stop. Right. People are gonna look at you different. And then no, when nobody looks at them different, I'm like, what? What? Why did you berate me for twenty years? <laughs> yeah. And now you're thinking they're cool. Yeah. yeah, no kidding. Well, PAX is very much going to be like a giant homecoming, I think, for a lot of us. And uh, this year, I'm going to be bringing my kids on the Sunday. And uh, awesome. my daughter is is thrilled. And, it, you know, she was having troubles at school last week with somebody who was giving her a hard time. And I go, just wait till we get to PAX. You know, giving her a hard time about going to PAX. No, they or? were giving her a hard time about just being a little bit quiet, being oh. a little introverted, being a little, being a little who more was? intelligent than average, which oh, sorry, is usually what that indicates. Your, your daughter? Uh, other students. Oh, just because she's shy. And, just and because she's shy. Yeah, exactly. Just, just wait till PAX. You're, you're going to find out, you know, that there are other people out there just mm-hmm. like you. And I, yeah, I think that's important. I think that's one of the wonders of, of the, the modern age, the Internet, is is that people are able to connect. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, people like, you know, Nazis and shit are able to connect too. But <laughs> I think there's a lot of people out there that normally, whether uh, it's gamers or, or whatever you're you know, furries. I don't care what you are. You 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 can find a community of people and connect with them. And I think that's that's an amazing amazing yeah. thing. If yeah. any furries would like that's... to connect with me, just go ahead and let me know because I'd like to meet furries. some furries. Yeah, um, I would be interested in, in having them on the podcast and interviewing them. Whoa, whoa, sure. whoa, 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 I know, whoa. I know, uh... Uh, Mike would like to partake. Do and I have apparently, to... we're going to have to. Uh, explain yeah. to Rick what the furry is. I might have to Google this, or what the what is a furry? Well, a furry, you know, is, is a subculture, and you know, you'll see some of them at PAX, but they like to dress in in animal costumes, the cutesy animal costumes. You know, oh, fuck. You know, what, yeah, like when you have the bear costume. <laughs> okay, I try to be judgmental, but I'm having a hard time and at it, the moment. And it, 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 it's generally more than just dressing like that. There, there's then generally a romantic or a, it's of a sexual nature. We'll say. Okay, this is not, with, uh, yeah. not winning me over with this. Why not? What's wrong with it? There's so you dress up like animals, it. and so it's like that scene from The Shining where she, where Shelley Duvall is looking down the hallway and she sees the guy in the bear costume. Yeah, okay. that's exactly it. Now imagine that turning into a porn. Okay. Now you have furries. Okay, I'm still you're not winning me over with this. Well, it's, it's okay. I mean, you know, we've all got our different kinks. I mean, I, I, I know what mine are. I don't know what yours are, but, you know, that's okay. No, I'm not. I'm not. It's whatever works for people. That's fine with me. But it, I'm just not. I'm not quite getting it. They, so people. So you'll see people at PAX dressed up like animals. No, no, it has nothing to do with PAX. People cosplay, yes, but it has yeah. nothing to do. Oh, with I PAX. thought. Okay, I thought we. Were no, I was just saying that uh, that was just an example <laughs> I used right. of the kinds of people that could connect on the internet that could never connect. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, okay, I got that, this. I mean, if you're from Branson, Missouri, yeah, and uh, you know, you're probably the only guy into furry. So, <laughs> and maybe you don't even know you're into furry, and now the internet can that's allow you the, to uh, experience that and find people to. That's connect where. With. Lonely people find ways to connect with animals. I don't know why Branson, Missouri came to my mind, but 
I don't even know if Missouri has a Branson. I, yeah. I almost said Okay, okay, okay. So. so it's not it, it's not like a dress up and run around at PAX type thing. So is it a no, PAC, people, people get together? Cosplay. It's it's a you know and, and that's a, that's a good point. It's a subset of cosplay. So okay. there are lots of cosplayers at PAX mm-hmm. and okay. my daughter's thinking about going to Sailor Moon. Okay, now no, okay, now I'm getting it. Okay, now that you're putting it in the in the context of it's like the okay. Now it's clicking. Now I sort yeah. of get it. And I have seen furries at at PAX, or I assume they were. They weren't. They weren't being overtly sexual out in public. But you know, if you're dressed like a, a furry animal, yeah. And then you know, it just leads me to believe that you know you're there to connect with other so furries. Are they, are they are they somewhat are they shunned by like at a place like PAX? Is there a group nobody of people that would shun them for that? Nobody is shunned at PAX. No, that's, well, that's one of the beautiful things about PAX. Okay. I think I think it's it's one of those things where everything's just well, I'm just everything goes and you're good time and and everyone's there for the same reason just okay. to have fun and yeah. and play games. So, but it, you said you experience. said they're they're subtle about it though. Is it just because that's just the way it is, or because they're afraid of being made fun of? Or? No, I, I just think they don't want to get it on in public. Probably, maybe they're a little gun shy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, it's not okay. a sex convention. It's not like you're going to like a swingers so it place is, or something like that. It is a it's a sex thing. It's connected to yeah, sexual the, activity. The, the the activity of being a furry is. I'm okay. gonna I'm gonna make a statement I'm, right now. I'm this kinda, has nothing to do with packs. Yeah. <laughs> it is all happening in Rick's head, and I think he's extremely interested in this for a reason. So, uh, Deanna, I say, uh, I, you know, maybe you guys could go get some chicken outfits and see I, what happens. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you say chickens because the kids in the hall skit, the chicken lady. Oh, yeah. Deanne hated that with a passion because she thought it was so disgusting. <laughs> So yeah, if we were to you get into this, to see it on stage. That was genius. We did actually. Oh, did our, you see it on stage? We went to see I them live in oh uh, like '93, I think. I in couldn't Seattle. believe he came out in that. I was yeah. like, oh my god! I was amazed genius. that they were so good at playing off the crowd. You know, they were doing the uh, what are, the Hecubus and oh so, yeah. yeah, they came out and at one point, you know, they're doing they're, yeah, they're going through their sketch, and at one point, uh, the guy says the setup line, you know, for when they scream evil. Right, yeah. or when they say evil, and he he does the setup line. It's real quiet, and somebody out in the audience goes evil. Yeah. And instead it of losing, that, yeah, yeah, instead of losing his place, the guy just points at him, and the audience goes yes. <laughs> exactly, that happened in San Francisco too. It was, but it was like fifteen people at the same time, just <laughs> evil, and they were like, oh. Well, this was <laughs> this was beautiful because the audience was absolutely quiet. Oh. Everything was quiet. And that's when it happened. He, they're doing the lines, and yeah. all of a sudden, the guy from just way over here on the right side that's of the awesome. audience just evil. <laughs> Everyone sang along to the Dave song, and I mean, yeah, it was. It was they so have awesome. an obscure sketch that I always cite as one of my favorites about a guy who is sitting. He's sitting at a at a counter at like having lunch, and he's he's kind of dressed up nicely, and he just it's one of their monologues, and there's like people in the in the in the diner. He just sort of turns to the camera and he says, "I work at a bank." Can you believe I work at a bank? Is that fucked or what? And then he goes off on this great five-minute yeah. monologue about working at a bank. And I, I've always thought that was like one of their kind of obscure sketches. It'd be really cool if they did it live when we went to see them, but I'm not going to get my hopes up. Midway through the show, complete darkness, lights come up. He's sitting at the counter. He turns to the can- he turns out to us and he goes, "I work at a bank." It's a like, perfect. It's yes, a perfect. Yeah, it's the perfect little it. skit to do. Oh, while it was so awesome! Changing, it was you know, so awesome costumes. live. They had the whole. Like all the lighting set up so that it looked like a dance oh, club suddenly when he when he jumped up and started doing his dance, you know, the dance part of that skit. Yeah. It was awesome. It was a great show. But, uh, yeah, anyway, so going back, if we were to get into this furry subculture, it definitely wouldn't be chickens for exactly well, that. Well, true, true. I should have said squoils. 
Squirrels All are very for the cute. love of a squirrel. There we go. There we go. Oh, what is, is, is that? Is that what you're squirrel, going to Squirrel, squirrel, squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> so we've uh, poured more beer, and we. This is the North Fork IPA, which uh, on. In, uh, Hmm. It's no, it's good. It's it's my go-to. Really, what I one of my favorite beers that the, the North Fork does is their Scotch. Mm-hmm. You have to have their Scotch. North it's Fork, absolutely yeah. amazing. It's so good. Yeah. Well, for um, for the for the people who are not as experienced beer sitting with beer sitting here, you know, you'll drink this one and you you'll not get that citrus notes. This is more of a. Yeah. It's almost like nutty. That's what I was going to yeah. say. I'm not getting any of that out of this one, but. Yeah. No, this isn't. This isn't a fruity IPA. This maybe is, that's this is, what. Maybe that's one of those things that I look for in a beer because I'm not honestly that crazy about this. As much as I would love to. Well, I think it uh, I would agree that the first IPA we had is. You're right. Much different from this one, and that's why I always say light to dark. Right. And oh. the other, the last IPA. If you looked at it, it was a thicker, kind of a darker color. Yeah. This is more of a caramel color um so this is just reinforcing my bias against light colored beers <laughs> well no i think like other beers like are racist. fine but you can't drink down you have to drink uh you have to okay. drink darker start light go dark drink, once you go dark you don't, you don't go back go bark and this, this is this is a very nice <laughs> I, ipa this is a very nice ipa I like, the, I like the awkwardness of the rhyme that just happened <laughs> <laughs> i'm still waiting for uh mike and his freestyle rap but you know, it'll we'll get it'll it. we'll, we'll get, get there someday. Well, you yeah, know, the we'll problem with freestyle raps is none of them are really freestyle. You know, you sit yeah, down. Yeah, that's you write your it argument. Down. But I've listened to Harmon Town, and it's always freestyle. Are you sure that he has written that down? It's in his head. How do you know he, it is? Because first of all, he's half drunk by the time he's doing it, <laughs> and it's always degrades into fucking your mother. So yes, because it's always the same. Okay, freestyle rhyme next episode. Maybe not the the very next episode, but the episode after that. I will. There you go. I will freestyle rhyme. <laughs> <laughs> so you better be prepared to bring me a beat. It better not be one. There or... you go. I will. I will have to get you a beat. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely get you some beats. Um. Uh, we, you know, we really have not touched any of our subjects, and we're about forty-eight minutes in. That's so. fine. <laughs> yeah, that, that's fine. Well, I, I very much wanted to just pause at some moment and then record another episode so that we get one in the bank because. We, we we really need to sit down like one weekend and like do two or three just in a row once a day, you know. But because if we do three in a row, we're going to be shit house by the third one, yeah. and you're going to that'll know. be People the best podcast ever, <laughs> or the worst. I don't know. It, the music came on, and Jeff was saying something indecipherable. I think it might have been in another language, and Mike was throwing up. It's <laughs> yeah, drunken ease. Well, that was almost like our first podcast, right? Where we just had to make a choice of a choice to like the podcast stop. Here, oh yes, I know God. we go on for another yeah, hour. Wasn't that or more. almost like a three-hour podcast or something ridiculous? It, I'm I think glad we went, we went well over yes, two hours. Yes, it was, on it was that close one. to three hours. We cut it off at one mm-hmm. forty-seven, I think, mm-hmm. on the best line I could find around that mark, which was you saying we've already gone through three fucking growlers or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> I'm like, okay, that sounds like a good stopping point. Oh boy! But uh, yeah, that's. I'm glad we were very enthusiastic about this back then because I don't know that that would have. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That would have been justification to keep going. <laughs> but, yeah. but yeah, no, I'm 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 looking forward to PAX. I think it's going to be a good time. I think me and my wife, right, sitting right here, 
um, who will be in the PAX episode, because we'll just bring, uh, we'll grab your mic and then she yeah. can be in yeah. there too. Yeah, we'll do. We're, we're, we're going to sit down and talk about PAX, I think, and, and if if PAX will allow us to use their podcast space, then that would be even better. Do they have, yeah. they have a, a space? Yeah, last year they had a space yeah. set aside just for podcasts. Oh, that's you would awesome. See that's Every cool. once in a while when you walk by, because it was right before you go downstairs, because of course at PAX, the bottom floor, the basement, is where everyone plays D&D. D&D. <laughs> <laughs> So, and Wizards, oh, I think, God. did that on purpose. Do, do so. they hire someone to dress up like Mom to shout down at them occasionally? They come up and have no, lunch? No, no. The, the next floor up is Magic the Gathering. So oh, okay. it's, oh that's like the, there. That's the bottom two floors are all like Wizards of the Coast. Hopefully they do uh, Pokemon so we can get some Pokemon in. But Okay. <laughs> what are we carrying? That's my favorite thing to do there. What are we going to carry in the flask this year? Uh, last year we did whiskey. Should we do tequila in the flask this year? I think tequila year? this year. The whiskey was okay. but The uh, flask? I think... I think we have a. You guys carry around a flask with your inside pack. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Is oh, that? You seen my I'm assuming that's not allowed. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's. Or is that just a subculture there? Of uh, that's something that's accepted. Anywhere where I'm at, the subculture better be alcoholism. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, you got a, a flask in that kind of scenario. So yeah. Okay. You, you know, yeah. you know, let's take a swig here, take a swig there. Yeah. And, you know, the best part about PAX, I mean, the the conference is, is, is really cool. You know, you're walking around, you see all these tables. But really, the fun starts at night, you know. You, you go this down. This is the flask. Very nice. It's, a, it's an entire pint flask. <laughs> you go like down. The they, they've got the rock band set up, right? They've got the entire rock band set up with the, the, oh, yeah. the deluxe drums. It was there, fun. There's a crowd there to so watch the, the rock band players. Yeah. And, you know, you've got the stage, and then there's a balcony above where more people are watching. And, you know, it's the nightlife at PAX that I look forward to the most. Yeah. I like the nightlife. Well, you know, I like the boogie. Like yeah, the there, boogie. there's all over all over town. There's parties. In a lot of a lot of the bars are hosting. Yeah. Last year, Jeff and I met a couple guys at PAX, it, yeah. it, and we spent all night long drinking with them at Good the. Good guys too. At, they yeah. were a lot of fun. They're yeah. from SF too. They're from San Francisco. Yeah. So it was it was kind of fun to talk about San Francisco San with them. Yeah. San Francisco and Berserkly. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, there was bocce, to bocce ball to be played for those who could could do it and then yeah. you know they'd give you a oh, couple we did play bocce ball there I mean I you, obvi- you connected with somebody about an after party didn't you yeah On, no no I, I, I plus three. yeah uh, yeah exactly we've got an invite to do an after party already um, so I think we'll, we'll awesome. pr- probably hit that you know the other thing that I'd like to get into is the Tri Wizards drinking challenge because I think you and that I that would can... be fun but don't they do that what's uh, the Tri Wizards drinking don't challenge don't they do that the two days before like for PAX Day, like right before well, they you usually know, do it on Thursday night don't they well the good thing about being real close is we could probably make it down to Seattle and, and hook up for that <laughs> whoa I don't know if I could afford a, a, another night we were going to already pay for probably Probably two to probably two nights mm-hmm. down there. So I mean, I don't know about a third. Well, I'm not going to have to afford anything. Three nights? I've already de- okay. Determined. Never mind. My wife is yeah. is signaling me with fingers. We're saying we're going to stay three nights. Three nights. But huh? the Tri Wizard Challenge would be fun. What is That'd that? Be fun. What well, is it? it's a Harry. I'm Pot- Hufflepuff. God it's, damn it! It's, <laughs> it's a Harry Potter themed bar hop. <laughs> and, and there's there's a there's, competitive oh, aspect to it in that in that each house has to drink so much. Booze, um, and um, points are awarded. I'm sure. Hufflepuff. I, it's it's always been 
at any the years that we've gone in the past, it's always been no positions left by the time we get there. But you know, we've gotten our tickets so early this year, yeah. and we're on point. I, I think I think we got to get on right now and make sure that we get signed up for because I think I think Jeff and I are perfect for yeah. the Tri Wizard. Yeah. And if it's on a Thursday night, you know what? I'll just take the, the Friday the off hitter, and we'll man. go down. I'm the pinch if hitter, we, motherfucker. If, if we got to, you know, we've got this podcast has exactly one sponsor so far, and I'm sure that sponsor would put us up for a night. So if we got to stay at Miller's house. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure Miller, being the sweetheart that he is, would offer to come pick us up and drive us back. Just tell him not to speed. Yeah, I mean, I understand. I mean, he, the man is a trooper. I'll give him that. Holy mackerel. And I know yeah. he wasn't feeling very good towards Jessica, the end of the night yeah. in Portland. And he still, he just, he sucked it up and trooped on. Well, I, if was, any, I was impressed. If, yeah. if anything, the Portland trip helped him pass that stone because it was two days later. He passed his, his kidney stone that he's been hanging on to for the last year. And I, I'd like to say that we probably helped him pass that stone. For a year? Yeah, he's he's had, he's had the kidney stones for he, he went and he had the laser surgery and it, it was all that walking. Yeah, it it didn't get rid of it. <laughs> so I, I think it was the night out with the boys where we get really got down. That, well, you know, for Jeff's health, we need to do this more often. <laughs> you know, absolutely. <laughs> Take care of him. We need to do. I mm-hmm. I'm thinking, you know, once every what couple months? Well, why not? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's for you know, it's for medicinal reasons. We'll just call it the Drunken Care Network. <laughs> <laughs> well, if anybody's going to care, it's us drunks. <laughs> well, they've got food in their mouth. I'll make sure that there's no radio silence. <laughs> I know. Sorry, we made these uh, chilies uh, day before yesterday, and they're good. And people ate a lot of them, but we had like thirty or forty of the damn thing. <laughs> and they so, probably go real well with beer, but I haven't had one yet. So we're fifty minutes into a podcast. We've yeah. hit in one of our topics. It, do we? Do speaking we, of packs, listen. This yeah. is a good segue. Packs into the recent. Uh, uh, Contrivacy or controversy, whatever you want to call it, of uh, video games as art. It's, it's been it's been uh, uh, argued for quite a while now, and of course, people who play video games, yes, of course, it's art. Da, 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 da. And yes, I think it is an art form. But yeah. recently, uh, a game came out that we played at PAX last year called Wolfenstein, yeah. and uh, when they took that game to Germany, um, they had to censor it. Um, because in Germany, the swastika, uh, the very symbol is illegal. I hope no one's Hindu in that country because I believe it's a Hindu holy symbol as well. It is. <laughs> Isn't it reversed? I think it's reversed though. I think, I think you might be like right. The, it may be yeah, reversed. I don't like know. I think there might be some other things involved. Yeah. I would have to go back and read on that. But Yeah, that's interesting. But, uh, yes, they actually had to go in to the game and take out every swastika because, uh, the game, the, the gist around the game is, uh, Essentially, Nazis won the war, yeah. and it's 30 or 40 years later. So it's like modern times if Nazis has won the war. Um, and uh, you're, you're, I think uh, uh, the name is quite amusing of the main characters, like uh, Jewy Jewy Stein or something like that is the name of the character. I can't remember, but oh my God. No, I it, hope it, that's the name of the character because you just offended a lot like of people. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of silly. But uh, nonetheless, um, they, they don't consider video games art. So they changed it, which kind of caused a lot of a bit of an uproar. Well, our video games art. I mean, I'm sitting here and, right, I'm and wondering. The, and the, I mean, you you explained this before the podcast, which is they wouldn't do that for a movie because they consider that art exactly. And anything that's considered art, they they can leave in the swastika, right? Which you what you can watch Schindler's List or even Hogan's Heroes all day long. I, would, I it's guess considered I, art. I guess right. I would love to hear the argument about why video games are not art. It's because because they're fun. 
Um, you have to remember that uh, video games are kind of coming from the same places, uh, things like comic books and right. even movies. Right. They, they, we're in the infancy of video games in a way, um, or I should say not infancy, mostly the... Probably more like the puberty era of video games. Video games are going through puberty right now. And essentially, that's kind of what it is. I yeah. mean, even back uh, when movies first started, a lot of stage actors wouldn't do movies. They were considered it a lesser uh, form oh, yeah. of, of entertainment. They considered sure. it um, uh, almost pornography um, because of... The, uh, just the thinking at the time, right? And if you go back and watch a lot of older movies, you'll see that they're filmed almost like plays because they didn't really know how to uh, to film a movie. But right. neither here nor there. Uh, video games are going through the same thing right now. And if uh, looking at the video games, you just played one called uh, what was it? Uh, the black and white one you just played. Damn oh, uh, Limbo. Limbo. Yeah. Gorgeous. Oh yeah. Extreme. Yeah. I mean that that to me is an art. That, See, that yeah. to me is art. I mean, not just the visuals, but also the the uh, very emotions and mm. the things you get from it. Of See, course, okay, so... you can play uh, Grand Theft Auto all day long and not really consider it art. Right. I mean, you can kill as many hookers as you want. It so... does not going to be art. But there is versions of it that are art. Well, but I would say the killing hookers part is still art. It may not be to your taste, but it's it's. I I think video. I I've always believed that video games and not just video games. Computer programs are actually a form of art as well. Um, I know that's kind of a stretch, but no, I, no, I have no—I have not zero problem saying that video games are art because they absolutely are. There's no—I would. Lo- that's why I said I would love to hear the argument for why they're not. Because for every every reason, I, I might argue that say, with that with you. Okay, well hold on just a second. The devil over here. Yeah, <laughs> but I I just don't get it. I mean, it does. It serves the same purpose as a lot of other mark. Art, art forms, art forms, modern art forms. Um, I don't understand where anybody would be coming from saying that it's that it's not art. It just because it's make for children. Sense to me. Uh, mo- but, most of the world views it as, or most of the world, most uh, people, usually above the age of about forty, right, um, consider that uh, that whole thing for children. Okay, it but, is all for children. It is aimed at children, and it's only until recently that peop- that a lot of these uh, video game outfits, mm-hmm. Nintendo's having a really hard time catching up because they've always been that kid market. Um, a lot of other yeah. video games, video game companies have realized that it's it's not children buying these. I mean, mm-hmm. children traditionally is people under 18. Yeah. Um, it is 20, 30, and 40-year-old people buying these video games and playing them. So they are marketing things like Grand Theft Auto or Far but, Cry or, or things like this. Or Mario Kart. Or, yeah. But I, was just, I was actually going to mention Mario Kart. Mario so we've Kart's been playing that for the last couple of days, which is like the first game for the new generation of consoles that I'm actually really deeply excited about. It yeah. is a fucking awesome game. I don't know how Nintendo gets away with doing the exact same game. Game over and over again. But That's it's it's awesome. Mason and so I are sad. sitting in the front room playing this <laughs> yesterday, and I feel like a little kid, and we're just racing and giving each other a hard time about things, you know, and doing all the standard insults, and just having a blast. Mm-hmm. But where's, and the, where's the artistic expression in Mario Kart? Because when you look at you look at the Okay, so art is basically just communicating an idea to to someone else in a way other than just stating it outright, okay? Correct. So you've got these fantasy worlds that you're racing through in Mario, and it may not be a particularly deep or, or, or an artistic statement that impacts you on a philosophical level, but it's it's an artistic statement. There's a lot of artwork, a lot of artistry going into this experience, and so you're experiencing this this really cool world, and 
to tie back into my opening comment, if Iggy Azalea is considered art, then fucking Mario is considered art, and I don't care what the argument is because I, I there's no agree. way there's no way that's not art. I don't I don't think I could disagree, but I kind of get it at some point in yeah. that a lot of the a lot of the intent of, of video games is to sell, and and most artists I know the it's, intent is to express. And I would say if if that's that's where the line could certainly be blurred. The only argument I have, you know, stands on the fact that it's an industry. It makes more money than Hollywood at this point, you know, right. games on a whole. And a lot of the intent of most games is to sell copies, not to express art. Every form of art is is part of an industry. I, I don't care what you say. I mean, whether it's writing books, whether it's uh, movies, whether it's songs, whether it's uh, um, art, uh, paintings mm-hmm. itself, they're all part of an industry. There's an industry wrapped around not, these art forms. Not necessarily. And I would say any form of creation is is art. I mean, when you bring something from uh, the, the 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 spermazoa of your mind into reality and and make it. Yeah, I think it's an art form. Wow. Um, uh, regardless, I mean, you, uh, movies is a perfect example. I'm sorry, but uh, you just mentioned like, uh, uh, what did you mention? The, uh, the that oh, this this woman is art. Yeah. Um, and that is a pop that is supposed to be. It's made to be popular. It's made really to be yeah. catchy. Yeah. Um, video games, movies, books, all the same thing. Because I, I Dan Brown only exists and only has a career because p- stupid fucking people read that schlock. I, you know, I'm, I'm not. I'm not entirely <laughs> sure though. I think. Um, I think. It, and, but people take it seriously that's... and think it is an art form, and it is. It is. It's a schlocky piece of shit art form. Maybe not be something I'm into, obviously, but uh, it, it's still it's still there, and it's still a form of art. It's still self-expression yeah. in some shape or it, form. It, and video and games are no and, you know, less I, that shape, and are no less that that. One of the form, one of the hallmarks of I think of art has always been the sense that you get when you experience it that the that the people who did this had a really high degree of passion about communicating this whatever it is they're communicating mm-hmm. to you, and so I. It's hard for me to look at a video game, especially modern video games, where they can really Madden 2014, do you think that's art? There are low forms of art and higher forms of exactly. art. Exactly. I wouldn't argue that any video game so far is a Transformers, high art. the movie. Michael Bay is considered yeah. an artist. So I would say the original Bioshock maybe climbs up the ladder a little bit toward higher art. Um, oh, I absolutely. Say, I would say most. Is, the, the Bioshock Infinite is yeah. is freaking art. I don't know if you've seen that game or yeah. played it. You should. But um, I wouldn't say a lot of video games are high art or even aspire to be high art. And But I just, it, it just, um, I don't see, I don't see, like, I want to hear what you have to say because I want to hear more about well, what the it, argument is it, that they're not. In my in my mind, it's, it just, it comes down to intent. Iggy Azalea, I, I think, you know, she's a pretty young performer. I think at, at one point, you know, her rapping was about expressing herself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, maybe at some point it got turned into this pop and became industry. I think there's a lot of art out there that exists outside of industry. I, you know, okay, I, look, I, Jeff, Jeff brought up people who write books. There's plenty of people who write books that never get published, and their intent is not to get published. Mm-hmm. You know, the the publishing is just an afterthought. It's it's about the expression. 
So I, I would I would almost argue that yes, games can be art. Does that make every game art? I don't know because and then on top but, of that, you've got these teams that are building this thing. Yeah. You know, at what point does the art become so diluted when you've got five hundred people working on a, a particular you've got title? Movies with more How than five hundred people. How many people does it take people? to make a movie? Yeah, it takes a lot of people to make a lot of people to movie, produce yes, an album. But the genesis comes from generally either one or a small group of people. And I and let me clarify too for about the Iggy Azalea thing too because it, we're bordering on. Like Uli Bowl has I know. every intent to make a good film, and he has very much passion behind his films. Yeah. They're still all fucking terrible. <laughs> well, but, um, I let me let me say though that I because I know she'll hear this podcast at some point. Um, I I don't know anything about her personal history and who she is, and I'm sure on a personal level she's a great person. I don't have anything against her. Um, just the art she's producing is, from my perspective, just absolute crap. But. I wouldn't deny that what she's doing is art, even if it's. I look at it and say it's just the shit, and I'm getting nothing out of it. And yeah. I can say I can look at a lot of video games and say this is this is shit, and I'm getting nothing out of it. But I wouldn't deny its status as art. Duncan Trussell. Yeah. See you well, later. <laughs> find Enjoy a tree. That. Make sure you shake. <laughs> you find a place to wash oh, your hands. Wife, That'll she. be the challenge right there. But but uh, you know. Madden 2014. I mean, this is a this is a genre of games that nobody sitting here plays, and I wonder how much art is really. Go- it, that's all about generating income, isn't it? You know, it's all about finding a market for people to play this game and to buy it. You know, I don't know but that the there's intent, anybody. The intent behind a, a work of art doesn't change whether it's a work of art or not. You have a lot of artists working on that, and a lot of people who have. But you know, when they create I, I think the, it does. the world what, that it exists in. Say that again, Rick. The intent yeah. behind it doesn't necessarily mean that it's art or not. So if somebody... No, no, I said the intent does not necessarily make it not an artistic work. You could you could produce... There's a lot of artists out there, I'm sure, who produce their work only because they know they can make money off it. That doesn't mean it's not art. It might be, you know, you might look at it and say, well, that's, you know, really... I'm standing on a, I'm standing on a really thin line. Like I, I know that my point at this right now <laughs> is just I'm to not, play I'm devil's not, advocate. I'm not I, trying I, to bury your point. I want to hear it because I'm I'm curious to see what the what the argument against video games being art is. I I would like to actually hear, you know, somebody who really has the the belief that it's not art, and maybe people listening to the podcast could tweet to us and tell us why it's why they're not art if somebody believes that. But I. To me, I don't. I don't even understand how you could even look at it and say it's not art. It, it, in my mind, every piece of art has a has to have a little bit of soul in it. It has some yeah. have somebody's passion. Yeah. And if the intent is to make money from the get go, then I'm not sure that it has much passion in it. Uh, not enough to yeah. call it art. So essentially, what you're saying is much many books, movies, and things like that that are considered art aren't art to you. Mm. Maybe not even to me. Maybe they just straight up aren't art. But that doesn't mean that a game can't be art. A limbo certainly is art. Uh, you know, the other game that was mentioned with the Big Daddies, that's art. You know, yeah. you look at that. There's no way you can step back and, and say that, that that's not well, art. Well, uh, to, to me, an, an art uh, art is just basically you're expressing an idea through a non... Not necessarily, I, I won't say nonverbal because I think, you know, writing obviously is art. But writing is more of a... a it's not directly telling you what it's trying to say. It's telling you a story or telling you something in an, in an, in an artful way that expresses an idea to you and gets it into your head. And so I look at video games, and there's a lot of video games that do exactly that. And, um, and um, yeah. we've had our empty glasses pointed out to us by 
by Jeff. So. By the drunk of the group. Um, one one thing um, I liked your I liked your your description of art. Uh, yeah. Another uh, description for me is if it elicits some sort of emotional response. Yeah. If if it brings uh, something to mind, or just makes you. I, I recently had a video game actually make me cry. Um, almost tear. Wow. Uh, I was tearing up. Um, it, it's The Walking Dead. I don't know if you've played this. Telltale Games oh. made a uh, Walking Dead. It's based on the comic books. Not I have the, to not try the TV that again. Shows. I started. And I started... Um, you know, at first, at first, it was just a little frustrating because I have never really played adventure games. Yeah. I didn't. I wasn't in the '90s. I didn't really play a lot of video games. So uh, um, you you play a character who eventually becomes uh, attached and responsible for about I think she's probably about a six or maybe seven or eight year old girl. Yeah. And the journey you go on and the choices you make, it's I have to it's, give it's that. nerve-wracking and you eventually become so I had actually had to stop playing it and I still <laughs> have to play the last chapter because the last chapter was just I was so just attached to yeah. this thing and I was yelling at my daughter for no good fucking reason <laughs> because she kept interrupting, "Can't you see what I'm doing?" you know. <laughs> <laughs> it was terrible, but I got so attached to the girl and the guy, and the, and I really became that character. Yeah, and I think that's something that video games do very well, much better yeah. even I think than uh, like movies. Yeah, um, you, when you watch well, movies, you can relate to a character, but when you're playing a video game, you become that character. Yeah, you are going on that journey. With yeah, 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 yeah. That, that's um, I think that's what um. You know, video games, especially modern games, do a really great job of doing the first-person view. You know, for putting you in mm-hmm. in that per- first-person view, and um, you know, the only the closest analog that we had to that prior, you know, in any artistic form was, you know, the the first-person point of view in writing. You know, and that was right. writing. Did that? I think what does I think for me personally, what does that more is music. Oh, okay, because yeah, everybody yeah. takes something oh, from yeah, a song yeah, yeah, yeah. Most, and makes it their own. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, while while books tend to do that, much like movies, mm-hmm. the characters are going through a journey, and you can relate to that. When you listen to a song, you attach your own emotions and your own experiences to that. Yeah, yeah. So that that to me is 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 art, and I think uh, while um, certainly Call of Duty will never be a, a piece of art that I would buy, but neither is a Velvet Elvis. So you know, I. <laughs> I think you guys just slaughtered whatever ever argument I just had. Well, I, I, like I said, I wasn't trying to. This isn't a one-up kind of argument. I, I really, no, do I think we all kind of agree hear. in a way that yes, it is an art form, um, and yeah. and there's always, like you said, a lesser form of that art. Yeah. And movies, TV shows, like I said when I was referencing Wolfenstein, you can watch uh, Schindler's List and Hogan's Heroes. Yeah. And all the schwachtikas are there. Would you consider Hogan's Heroes art? You know, and what's interesting about the <laughs> Wolfenstein? I, would, I love that show. <laughs> I love that <laughs> it was a great show. No, don't what's, get me wrong. What's interesting about Wolfenstein <laughs> is that actually has the same premise as a Philip K. Dick novel called um, The Man in the High Castle. And mm. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of that book. It's, uh, I read it a I, couple I've years ago. I've heard of it. I have not. It's basically a book. It's an alternate history book, and it was like, I guess it was the first of its kind. Um, he did a lot of yeah, first kinds. Yeah, and he, he basically so. said, here's what the world would be like if the, if the um, Axis powers had won World War II. Mm, and yeah. so basically it starts off with um, the first scene is in San Francisco. It's a guy mm. trying to sell some like some of his jewelry that he creates. And it, as he goes out, you start to realize, wow, San Francisco is dominated by J- Japanese people. 
and he's very yeah. uh you know he's 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 uh he, you get the sense that he's a second-class citizen uh-huh. trying to interest them in what he's doing. And then you, you begin to learn that basically uh, Germany and Japan split the United States down the middle. And the West Coast is Japan. The East Coast is Germany. And uh, that's that's America in, in this alternate history. And I love that. It's very cool. And uh, I think yeah. that's um, Wolfenstein, I think, does that same – not – Exactly the same premise, but it's the I'm same. Actually, same I'm idea. actually looking that up right now yeah. to see w- what the plot is. And now I really want to know the name of the character because it is kind of clever and it's chintzy and, it's, and fun. I love how Philip K. Dick would always start a story Blaskowitz, that way. Blaskowitz, something he, like he, that. He, yeah, it is. It's Blaskowitz. Yeah, I just can't remember. Yeah. He would always he would always start his stories and, and make the reader kind of come to the story rather than push the story into the reader. You know, it was always yeah. You're you're reading along these lines where he's giving you this little tidbit, little tidbit. It's, it's chapter three, chapter four before you realize exactly where you, where it is that yeah. you're at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it was always with the assumption that the reader, you know. The journey is going to be how well, he you... comes from an era when writers trusted. Well, I, uh, there's a lot of writers that still trust their readers, the intelligence of the readers. But I mean, back then that was a you. It was a, it was assumed that all the readers were intelligent enough to get where you were going, and they didn't need everything spelled out. Okay, know, so this it is was... the, the it's it's set in an alternative history of 1960s Europe, where the world uh, 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 after the World War, where the Nazis won the Second World War. Yeah. Um, single player follows William B J Blasco Blaskowitz. B J Blaskowitz. It's the most childish thing because they're still yeah. using the same name that Id came up with like what 20 years ago yeah. when they were all you know early 20s. And well, this is this is kind of an homage all, to you can, the, you can the see them all and, sitting around the office going. BJ. His video video games BJ. are are don't escape that that ridiculousness that Hollywood oh, yeah. has, has yeah. sunk themselves into of of trying to reboot. Things. I have to excuse myself, and unlike you barbarians, oh. I'm going to go use porcelain instead of uh, tree bark. Hey, tree number three is right over there. Come on, man. Make sure you wash so, your hands. We got an yes. excuse to not. Blaskowitz is tasked with launching a counteroffensive against the Nazi forces, subsequently becoming entangled in other dilemmas caused by their victory. But it's a first-person shooter. I'm, I'm it not is interested. a first-person shooter, and I, I've come to love. I used to hate first-person shooters, and, and uh, I think it was uh, games like uh, Bioshock and uh, um, that horror genre that really turned me around. Well, speaking shooting, speaking so. of the horror genre, you know, I've got my Wolfenstein email a week ago telling me it was going to soon be dropping. Oh, I know, I can't but, wait to buy but, it. But you know, the, the thing that days. set my hands quivering while looking at this email is that suddenly the the memory I had in my mind of the horror game they were playing while we were standing in line. The last, enemy within. The enemy within. I go, oh my god, that game hasn't come out yet, has it? Because I don't want it in my life. I don't need to know about it. Yes, you do. I, yes, I don't you do. want to see These it. These are all actual <laughs> games from Bethesda, and God bless. Bethesda, they're uh, my, one of my favorite uh, outfits, and they put a lot of passion into their games. You were talking about the the intent and the passion behind these 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 artistic endeavors, and uh, I think they truly put a lot um, with the Elder Scrolls. They've put look at all you do is go and read the books in Elder Scrolls, and you can see the passion behind it. Oh, yeah. You can see um, the 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 ridiculousness, the, the the time and the tediousness these people people put into these games. And Bethesda did also uh, I, um, uh, New Order, and I believe they're doing the Enemy Within yeah. as well. I just and the passion to, they put behind it. I just and, wanted to say that the the P that I just took, I think that was a work of art. I really did. You, yeah, but you didn't create that. That was a process. No, I created it. You did well, not create. There was it. an industry behind you that. You made had water. To make, somebody had to make that beer. I only did it for money. I admit it now. Okay, <laughs> I'm going to, make water. I'm going to make water. Turn your head. 
I, I, I would got to say, when it comes to Skyrim, I can't, you know, every time I pick up one of those books and start reading, I go, God, with the poor schmuck who had this job of writing these books. <laughs> yes, but these people were passionate behind that. They, they loved it. I take the time only to read them and knowing that somebody put the passion mm-hmm. into creating these I swear books. I've read, like, every book in fucking Skyrim. Well, it's, it's a good so thing ridiculous. they should have hired George R.R. R. Martin to write all the books in, in Skyrim because they would he all would been never 700 finished. pages long. <laughs> he would have never finished. <laughs> There would have been a lot of half-written fucking books in Skyrim. There's a lot of sex in these Skyrim books. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've seen, a, I've seen a piece of art recently. Wait, from, from PG-13 to NC-17 real quick. <laughs> There's a piece of art I stumbled upon recently that didn't seem to have any sex in it at all. It was this movie called Blue Ruin. Did you see any sex oh, in it? Are we going to talk Ruin. about Blue Ruin now? No, I, I think it's, we'll um, uh, the movie we just watched. In fact, I had it pulled up on my goddamn it here. And uh, hold on, here we go. Blue Ruin. Uh, Absolutely no Nick, sex in the Blue Ruin. What are you doing over there? No, there was no sex in Blue Ruin. Well, unless you call pe- being penetrated by an arrow. I mean, you know, this is an, <laughs> an act of penetration. One of my, one of my, oh, by the way, spoilers, folks. Uh, one of my favorite uh, lines in that movie was he, he at the end where he turns and is like, you know what, this doesn't hurt half as much as the arrow. Yeah, did. that was awesome. <laughs> so funny. Macon Blair was That's genius. One in of those movie. moments where you realize that the uh, writer of that movie got into the head of the character so well that he, you know, at that moment. Well, thought, uh, um, it's one of those uh, writer directors, Jeremy uh, oh. um, Salner, Salnier. Um, I may be saying that wrong. I apologize, Jeremy. Um, wrote and directed Blue Ruin. Um, it just came out last year, but it's been this year. It's been going through the uh, the, the circuits. Huh. Uh, what do you call them? The film festival circuits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, and it, it is an indie film that seems to be our uh, 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 trademark now. As, as we do indie films, well, it is art. starring. We get art. It is starring <laughs> Macon Blair um, as Dwight and uh, Eve Plum. As uh, Chris Cleland, I liked that, that part um, where she had the gun on her and she was going, "Marsha, Marsha, Marsha." <laughs> Wrong Eve Plum. Oh. Hey, it might be the right Eve Plum. I isn't that her? Didn't know. she play Jan in? I maybe. Brady I Bunch? don't know. Hold no, on. you're you're dead right. You are dead yeah. right. Let's I find didn't even out. Get that. You didn't realize that was Jan from no, Brady Bunch. But you're so. Oh my god. Oh, wow. That, okay, that changes no, the tone I of that. You guys would I'm know. sorry. Uh, Eve Annaline Plum best is an American actress and painter best known for her portrayal as Jan Brady on the iconic Marcia, show. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. <laughs> Brady Bunch. She aged well. Wow, what a beautiful woman. Yeah, Absolutely. actually, yeah. I didn't Incredibly even think beautiful about that woman. way. But yeah, that's... that's she. Um, but that's uh, Blue Ruin. God damn this stupid dumb phone. Well, it's got to work better than the uh, Untapped app, doesn't it? Are you going to IMDb for that? I did. I went to IMDb for that one, but I wanted to. Uh, um, I wanted to uh, get a little more on the. Uh, the well, uh, IMDb is kind of terrible, but it did get ninety five percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It's got very high ratings. Um, I was, no, it has very high ratings. Uh, I IMDb try to avoid gave it. Uh, that. Well, the the consensus on IMDb is uh, seven point two, but. No one believes IMDb. No. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, I think, is a little more accurate when it comes to uh, percentages and, and and Rotten Tomatoes and, does a really cool thing where they get the they get the mainstream, they get the actual critics. I like the fact the, that they do the critics and then the, yeah. the consensus among. So, what's um, interesting too is when you see a viewers. film that's split really hard. Actually, it's eighty like, percent hated movie fans viewers. Love it and, yeah. Users liked it eighty percent, ninety five percent for critics. So yeah. uh, um, I'm not going to read the synopsis. 
<laughs> but um, um, in fact, you wouldn't want to give away the, I the mean, theater release was only recently in uh, um, April twenty fifth, two thousand fourteen. Yeah. So I, I can give it a synopsis right now. Yeah. I, I would say this film very much is the fourth film in the uh, Chanwook Park's Vengeance trilogy. You know this this movie. Oh, I'm watching it. I'm twenty minutes into it. I'm like, damn. How does how is this movie not in the Vengeance trilogy? This has got Chan Wook Park's hands all over it. It's beautifully shot. The whole thing, the the grizzled uh, main character when he comes out and he's got this. I love I love the homeless journey he takes at the beginning. Yeah, I, I really, really I did good. enjoy that. And and, and obviously the, uh, our roundtable is starting with Mike. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the whole movie begins with a journey of this character who who essentially is homeless for the first. 10 minutes you know we all know that the 11 minute movie mark minute mark in any movie is going to be where the transformation occurs no he's he they do the homeless thing for well over 20 minutes yeah but it, it's it's near the 11 minute mark that we see that he's actually on a journey and he has a point and that he's he's getting to it and and it's it's so beautifully well done you know it, it reminds me very much of old boy when you see this character with big hair and disheveled you should be fired, sir. I no, I should. I should. I've I've attempted to watch it twice now. My wife keeps shutting it off. So yeah, no. She's like, no, this is boring. Or it's, it's, it's I can't remember if it's too boring or the ultra violence. She just couldn't get into it. And I I love the ultra violence. Yeah. I'm American, so you know I love ultra violence. Yeah, it, it very much. You know, you know, you catch this guy at the beginning of his journey, and you see that he's got a, a point that he's getting to. And you know, and it's not too much into the movie where you realize that his whole point is probably a fallacy based on on some bit of anger that's come up, you know, within us, within him. Everybody always, you know, you always get mad about something, and maybe you're not right. And you, you, a young kid enters a story and kind of puts a little bug in his ear that maybe the journey he's taking, you know, he doesn't necessarily want to take. Um, uh, one of my favorite parts of the movie was the main character. I mean, uh, his. He was not the typical, atypical hero, revenge hero guy. He wasn't, you know, it wasn't payback. You know what I mean? Which I love that movie. I love the... the, the uh, yeah. 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 It, it wasn't payback in the sense that he didn't have the confidence to carry he out... He didn't have the skills or confidence to carry anything out, but he did it anyway. But he, he made it all the way through, and it was just beautiful. It, you guys are... Absolutely. And that, that's, that is touching on what I loved about this movie was the passion this character had in delivering his vengeance you know he he had no confidence in himself that he would ever get even finish his first task let alone accomplish all these tasks afterwards that were thrown upon him when he thought his first ta- that he was completely done he was like I'm done I, I, I've, I've done it I, I've done what I've set out to do and then only to realize that he didn't take care of his problem mm-hmm and, and then now, now he's got to worry about his sister and, and what might be done to her. And the whole story takes this turn. And you see the transformation not only within the character's inner self, but his outer self. His whole appearance changes. You know, he, he then becomes a very... Well, movie, I think he returns to what he once was. Um, and I think that also gives him a little bit of the confidence it takes to move on and do what yeah. he needs to do. He, he goes but, from being scary homeless guy to scared... Uh, middle class person, you know, uh, overnight. Well, not even overnight. It's you know a, a stop in a bathroom at some place. <laughs> no, I love I love the fact that uh, he uses other people's houses. I think it's hilarious. Yeah. It just makes me want to lock my doors better when I leave on vacation. <laughs> so you know, I'm going to say that I, I love the the film and I think it's worth watching. And I, 
I think if anybody out there has seen the Chanwick trilogy, and I don't know that if Jeff has seen any of the movies, there's. Uh, uh, no, unfortunately, no, I have not. I keep trying to watch them, and I keep getting cockblocked. Old so. Boy, Sympathy for Mr. <laughs> Vengeance, and uh, Lady Vengeance. And if you haven't seen any of them, well, you won't know what I'm talking about. But this this movie is clearly the fourth movie in that trilogy. Hmm. You think that you think. When you say that, you mean you think the director of this was inspired by those films? I'd say he was absolutely. Yeah. There's there's no there's no part of me that thinks that there's no there can't be any inspiration taken from those three films. Okay, it's, inspired in a good way, like just no. no it, I, I say this with you, so much love. You know, I recently watched the American remake of Old Boy, which should have been the fourth movie in that trilogy, but it was a piece of crap. I'm <laughs> sorry, Spike Lee. No, I'm not even sorry. Yeah, um, Spike Lee is still a terrible filmmaker. This movie very much. Had to have been inspired by by this trilogy, huh? Okay. Um, I, I will and, have and to not only that, out. it does it justice. It belongs right alongside of them. Okay, interesting. Um, here's a uh, quick tidbit. Uh, this film was kickstarted. No kidding. Yes. Wow. Um, while um, while the film was uh, part of a studio, uh, where's the studio? What's the studio's name? Um, I think it's Cinesc- or Science Scope. Yeah, science something. So wow, that's that's cool. But it also, it uh, it garnered about thirty seven thousand dollars from uh, four hundred and thirty eight backers. So I mean, that's I think that's kind of wow. neat uh, that they uh, I think that uh, that enabled them to uh, actually take the movie on tour is really yeah, what that enabled them to do. So and another reason why I love the internet because it's taking over the world. Uh, we as um, these small people without a lot of money can still go out. And do things like this, create our art, um, and go out and do this stuff. Well, it's it's very much a way to put our, our dollars where our vote is, and then actually have that mean something. You know, mm-hmm. you, you always hear about people talking about voting where their dollars at. You know, a project like a Kickstarter embodies that wholly. In that, well, I'm amazed that a movie. I've seen like um, I've seen a lot of uh, bands put you know their next album on Kickstarter. Or do exactly. a Kickstarter project out of that, but a movie—that's that's a new one to me. That's pretty cool. I don't think. Yeah, you get no. Much. There's a lot of movies that are on. Actually, uh, I believe uh, two. There's a couple of uh, big Hollywood directors that actually have, have went to Kickstarter, and wow. uh, and there's many uh, um, folks. Uh, I can't remember anybody's name right now because I'm terrible with names, but I know uh, for a fact uh, there's uh, John Carpenter has went to. Yeah. To uh, uh, Kickstarter uh, to try to get a couple of things done. Um, I mean, there's there's been some people that actually have gone on to Kickstarter. Like uh, yeah. one of the greatest examples is the Veronica Mars. While I've never seen the yeah. TV show, the 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 they he got internet backers so incredibly well. Uh, another one is is uh, uh, Lamar Ver- Lavar Burton with the uh, the. The reading Rainbow. Oh, I just saw Rainbow that. Thing. Yeah, yeah, that was. Cool. I thought that was the most beautiful thing in yeah. the world. And and while Lavar Burton is <laughs> is he's he's just an amazing guy. It he's a really think... really fucking nice guy. So he's... he he's one of the reasons. He's one of like the two or three reasons why I'd love to go to a Star Trek convention. Yeah. just to meet that person. You know. Okay, and I was thinking he's maybe one of the people I would love to meet because he it's... seems like such a wonderful guy. Is he gonna he's so he's gonna make a Reading Rainbow movie. <laughs> no, no, he's um they're bringing the show back. But yeah, he's, he never stopped doing Reading Rainbow. Um, he constantly does it, but he, he has uh, been giving it away, 
essentially. Oh, wow. He's giving it away uh, to schools and things like this, but a lot of schools can't really afford to do this. So uh, this will allow schools to take it on and maybe get him a a presence either somewhere on the internet or somewhere out there. That's pretty awesome. So I think, yeah, he got like a million dollars like in like 24 hours or some ridiculous thing. And people wrote him letters and, and did the Reddit thing and... No, it was, it was awesome. And wow, a lot of really my what, Hollywood cynicism is kind of melting away. And I, away I think this goes moment. back to uh, um, why our government and a lot of institutions are really scared of the internet because it gives us power. It gives the people power. Yeah. And 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 usually when it comes to power, um, the people with it like to keep it. And so. usually people <laughs> people acquire power with guns, which brings me back around to our movie. No, no, it doesn't. It, uh, it's, it, it's, I'm trying to segue back. Into I know the movie you're trying discussion. to segue, but I'm going to say it anyway. It's money that gets power. Oh, well, I'm. Oh, Golden rule, baby. Anyway, back to the movie. Yep. Um, let's go over here to uh, you, sir. And I was going to... Um, oh, you're not done? No, oh, I was okay. going to pull it far away from the movie and continue the discussion we were just having <laughs> and say, if it's money that's power, we're beginning to take that now with crypto coins such as Bitcoin and yeah, Dogecoins. Yeah. And that might be a conversation for later, but let's wrap that's, it back into the movie. I think that's a good subject that's for our probably next We're back topic. to the movie, though. Blue Ruin... <laughs> Uh, um, have you finished your diatribe on Blue Ruin? I mean, I, your your overall consensus of it, it was a good movie. It's something that it, it, it elicited a response in you, whether it be... Absolutely. I'll, I'll say that I couldn't watch this movie in one sitting whenever... Anything. Was it art? It was art. And it, <laughs> anytime I watched it in three separate sittings, whenever it got hard for me to watch, I just stopped oh, it and right. came you, back. You get a little, you get a little squeamish. Oh, my daughter got oh, so squeamish oh, you're during not some into of those the, scenes. Yeah, or? you don't like the... the... Yeah, well, I watched it one sitting. I don't think you could have pulled me away from it because I, I freaking love this movie. Um, this movie made me think immediately of the whole um of a topic of mine, or a topic that that gets very interesting to me with is the academic um distinction between a character driven movie and a plot driven movie, and I've always sort of that's a conceit that I don't really buy into. I feel like every movie is a plot driven movie, and some of them just have very strong character development with them. And um, I always feel like character development's a nice thing, but it's not always necessary. You can have a really great movie without this really deep character development. Mm, I think you need character development. But oh, okay, here's shape, here's the thing shape, though. Form or fat, First, like ninety percent of this movie was not character development. It was just plot, plot. It was like everything moving at just this breakneck speed. And every time I thought I knew where this movie was going, like I thought, okay, he's he's hiding in the bathroom now, and he's he's waiting for this guy that he wants to kill. He's not going to kill him. The guy's going to become aware of the fact that he's after him, and then it's going to become this drawn-out movie about him plowing through all the family members to this guy finally. I love that you are not familiar with cinema in the last 30 years. I am familiar with cinema in the last 30 years. But the, uh, the, I for think me, you said cinnamon. Cinnamon, yeah, cinnamon. <laughs> it's a dancer at Sassy's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or two. <laughs> yeah. Who he is anyway, quite familiar with. To me, I felt like I loved it because it was it was just I felt like the plot was just moving forward at a at a breakneck speed. It was just every scene was a new development and it was just like it was awesome. It was great. It was great not to have to sit there and overthink every single scene. And it was just it was beautiful. It kept moving ahead at this great pace and it kept ahead of me. I couldn't outguess it. Like I thought I knew where it was going with the bathroom scene where he's hiding with him. And then and then he kills the guy and I thought, what? This I, was I thought the same thing. I'm like, we're 25, that. 30 minutes in, and, and, yeah. and you've already reached your goal. What but the fuck? The, but the movie, as far as character development in the last 10 minutes of the movie, that's where it's like they, they gave you this fantastic plot, this great entertainment. You just kind of went right through it, and then I thought, okay, this is a great like piece of entertainment, not too deep. And then you get to the last 10 minutes, and then they drop... 
they really drop it on you where it's like, oh, crap. I, I see where this was going. Exactly. I thought and the last was, 10 minutes were awesome because you're like, yeah. is he really going to do this? Is he really going to He's not going to yeah. do it. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. No, he's not going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's funny that you talk like that because, you know, well, I would never consider myself a fan of film, but more of, of genres. I, you know, there was never, you know, at a point, you know, at the 25-minute mark, I knew what was going to happen, and I knew where the movie was going. I was just kind of oh. curious what his motivation was. And to find out that his motivation was his parents, that was the only big surprise to me because I thought it was going to be some kind of love, some kind, some, yeah. something big. Yeah, I thought that, too. I thought, like, oh, his the... family was murdered. But no, it, well, it was his family. But I thought it was, like, his wife, wife and kid kids. or I his think... two kids. Yeah. Because at first, because they don't really tell you when he goes to see his sister. They don't tell you it's his sister. No. You don't know it's his sister. I thought oh, for a yeah, while, yeah, I thought it yeah. was his ex-wife. Ex 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 I'm sorry I left you. In fact, I believe that's one of his lines. I'm yeah. sorry I left you. And she's like, I'm sorry too. I missed you. You know. And, and I was like, oh, this is his wife. Those are his two daughters. And yeah, nope, it's his yeah. sister. Right. Exactly. You know? Yeah. But sorry to give that away if you haven't seen it. Go see oh, it. Oh, no, no, no. Really, we've really we've already established that we're going to so, do spoilers. No, no, it's all about the spoilers. Yeah. So as, as somebody who's who's entrenched themselves, I like I like revenge films. So as somebody who's entrenched themselves into revenge films, yeah. there there wasn't really any surprises, but the journey was still enjoyable. You, yeah. you, you know, we, we I could touch back on, on the last podcast where you say you very much love a film where they're not going uh, uh, with the standard conventions but I think all along this movie does go with the standard but conventions it does... the, it, within within the vengeance genre okay but uh, oh it, absolutely it, absolutely it does a there's... very good job of being very artful about how it it conceals I mean if there's cliches or tropes in here or whatever you want to call it it's very artful about how it conceals it or incorporates those things into it because I didn't feel the whole time I'm watching this, I didn't have one moment during this film where I thought, oh, God, I've seen that before. Well, I never had one moment. I loved every single minute of this. I was just, I was like, every minute felt like something new. That just adds another love for this movie because I'm going to say that I'm going to enjoy this movie because now that you've seen it and you enjoyed it, you're going to go back and touch touch upon the Vengeance trilogy probably. You know, you, okay. you're going to have... I really need to sit down. There's there's another bunch of movies we need to sit down. We, you and I just need to like lock ourselves in a room for a weekend and start watching <laughs> fucking movies. Don't I, worry. That's one of my favorite the, things to do. We'll so. do that. We'll do that. Actually, I could go for that. I could need to get caught up. And, 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 and money's going to be on a, how many films in before somebody's getting a hand job. <laughs> um, about half a movie. <laughs> I'm going to say 13 minutes. <laughs> so I, I'll, I'll appreciate this movie as in that... What's your over-under on that one? It, it, it's bringing, it's bringing a, the, the vengeance genre to the masses. Well, maybe not to the masses, but you know the, the indie people who have missed out on a whole genre of film, are going, they're going to see this, and they're maybe going to be inspired to go back and watch a lot of the well, movies I, that birthed yeah, this. That's what, that was, there's my goddamn phone again. Um, that's I think that's what a lot of, uh, of filmmakers. I mean, filmmakers are inspired by the films, the very films you're talking about. Right. So when when hopefully, and they always try to get those films out there. Like obviously, this was most likely inspired by films like that in mm -hmm. Payback and 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 a lot of these these movies. Um, and I think it does inspire some people, not all, obviously, to go back and watch these movies. Yeah. Um, and I would like you two to go back and start watching some fucking movies. <laughs> Payback, I love it. I love Payback. Uh, the, the new version. I know yeah, this is going to shock both of you, but I've never seen it. Contain yeah, your surprise. Yes. Oh, it's so awesome. I love the, it. The recut version? Oh, my God. Payback. Is so that good. the one yeah. I think I saw on It's with Mel Gibson. It was, it's a remake, but uh, the one with Mel Gibson is the one I really love. Okay. 
It's one of the few times where the remake is actually a bit better than the original. Okay. But you don't want to watch the original cut of it. The original cut is, is semi-fun, but where the art really happens is to watch the recut where the director mm -hmm. went back and recreated the film as he envisioned without Mel Gibson over his shoulder. Yeah. That's the one you want to see. Oh, yeah, okay. It's beautiful. It's, it's really good. Okay. I have it somewhere. I don't, I don't know exactly where, but... It, it's such a good movie, and 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 uh, I guess it's my turn on Blue Ruin. Can I before you say something? Oh, can I can, I can I throw one more little thing in? Yeah, go ahead. Were you guys at all shocked, or is, is this just my unfamiliarity with movies? But did the did the like violence and the wounds in this movie seem incredibly realistic? Like every time I'm watching I some thought, of it, I thought, Jesus Christ, this I, looks like I thought a, they were very the practical well done. effects in this were very good. Yeah, it was very making good. me wince. And, and that I goes back to that. my theory on practical effects: stop with the CGI. Practical yeah. effects are always going to be better. Yeah, like the part at the end where he pulled his shirt up and you see it all kind of splattered, mm -hmm. and then you see one little rivulet of blood going mm -hmm. little, little, down his. I was like, oh my god, man, that actually kind of hurts watching yeah. this. That no, my daughter who was uh, actually sitting near the TV, and every time there was a wound on, <laughs> she freaked out. And it's like, please stop it! Please stop it! I'm, like, no, I'm not gonna stop. It. Go back to watching your Lego movie or whatever the hell you watch. You know when he stabs and, stabs him in the side of the head. Right? That was so yes, good. And that there's was a momentary just, pause no, before the God, blood man. fills the eye. Yeah. That in my mind, I went because see that was I probably CGI, but the rest of it was practical effects. And when you I rewatched it, yeah, I rewatched yeah, yeah. it four different times because there's the pause when the when the blade goes in. And there's a pause before the blood hits the eye, and that, that you know yeah, I, I've never yeah, seen that yeah. happen in real life. That but was, it was one of my favorite scenes because not because of that, which I thought that was genius, but also the fact that he was still blinking and alive with this knife in his head. Yeah, yeah, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that God, just I'm getting. I love tense. horror movies. I love horror movies. It. So that to me was just like, yeah. oh my God, what a great scene! It, it's yeah. so often that there's it made a, me squirm, and not a lot of movies do that anymore. It, this movie did make me squirm. It's so often in film where there's a swing, <laughs> and then you don't see the the swing actually connect. But a head rolls, you know, and and here, yeah, he's up and he's in it, and the knife makes impact, and then the blood squirts, and there's all this timing that's oh, involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And God, it's man. so well, well done. Well, that's what was beautiful about that scene. The, the 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 entire scene was very personal, and that's what it was to the character. It was very personal. Yeah. So when you get that close, and I mean, they were the camera was right up on these two guys, one of them choking the other, and the other with a knife, and finally comes up and hits him in the and head. Yeah, but the whole man. thing was extremely I, personal, and it, that's what made that scene. That and then the the part where the friend of his gets the guy in oh, the jaw, oh, oh. and I was like, "Oh my god, man! I can't even believe what I just I saw. heard the report of that gun. I'm like, "Oh, it's coming! It's coming!" Yeah, yeah. yes, oh, yes, because he was quite a ways away. Just, that was a sniper rifle. That, like, that was the, and that and that goes back to the timing. Like the the director of this film realized that life happens in the timing, right? Mm -hmm. You know, so often in movies we miss this timing, the beat. But I, I think he brings it to a very real point where you get the report, and then it's the, the momentary before the, the the it actually hits the guy's face. Yeah, and and it's that quick moment your brain's calculating. You know what's going to happen. <laughs> it hasn't happened yet, and then it happens. It just fucking blows up all over the screen. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, it was it was. Uh, it's certainly a, a very good movie. Yeah, very good movie. Um, I I watched it today. Actually, I watched. It, I got up and watched it. My wife started watching it last night, um, and she watched. You watched most of it, actually. Um, but I I watched it this morning, and uh, after, it wasn't until after I finished watching it when I realized it was a good movie. Um, it was one of those movies like, oh, get on with it. Oh, wait. Wait, that really? Awesome. That was awesome. But the, it, for me, it was the acting. Oh. Yeah. The acting, 
holy shit, um, what was his name? Blair Williams, or whatever the fuck the guy's name was. I apologize to you, sir. I'm um, sorry, I, did, I didn't recognize Marsha oh, or, or anybody else Let, in the film. Uh, Macon Blair, I think <laughs> yeah, is his name. Uh-huh. Macon oh, Blair okay. was yeah. just... Uh, one of my favorite scenes is... Um, and I rewound it and actually watched it like three times. Um, <laughs> he is sitting outside the prison in the car, and he watches... The guy come out and hug his family and yeah, da, da, da. Oh, yeah. and it shoots back to him his facial expressions and it's so very subtle the the look of sheer anger and horror and awe on his face now which, oh Jesus I like I said I rewound it probably like two or three times and just to watch <laughs> that and just to watch his expression again and again being a person who's it felt that same exact mo- emotion but not during the the same circumstances I recognized the shake. And mm. I can tell you times in my life where I've felt that shake. We right? all have. That's what made it so, oh, Jesus. And, and, but, you know, <laughs> that that scene, I think there was real key where I kind of realized I was watching a film that was inspired by perhaps foreign films. And that the fact of the facial emotion, the, you know, the first 25 minutes in this film go by with not a lot of dialogue. But the amount of acting that he can yeah. carry on. In fact, the entire movie is probably like five pages. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 I had a moment of like surprise when he started talking in the film. I had a, I was like, oh, he actually. Th- yeah, I was he thinking maybe speak he's much. got the some guy kind had of the mental... least amount of lines of all the characters. Yeah, but when he actually spoke like to his sister, I think that was the first scene where he really had some lines. I thought, oh, because I was starting to think maybe he had like mental issues and didn't want to never spoke or something, and then all of a sudden he's. He's actually speaking in full I'm not sentences. used to speaking. I'm not used yeah, to speaking. Yeah, I know, no. Yeah, That's, yeah, I love that yeah. because obviously he's been homeless and been like that for quite a while. And mm-hmm. even his friend from high school says, you know, I I put the first 200 miles on this truck just hanging up posters of you. Looking for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Looking right. for you. That was a beautiful movie. Man, yeah. I, I, can't, I can't tell was, you how much it was. It was a beautiful my, movie. My it was very line. good. There's a reason it's, it's uh, what is it, 95% on Rotten Tomatoes yeah. for critics yeah. and 80% for uh, We're viewers. So. Talking about dialogue in the movie, I, hands down, my favorite line is where he's got the gun on the two women at the end, and he says, he says because my dad and your mom, or my mom and your dad loved each other, we all have to die. <laughs> I was like, oh yep. my God, that's such a, it's like, <laughs> I've had context, to... <laughs> that's like a crazy line, but in the context of this movie, it's it's very profound. It's it's. I, I love that, that, that when he just settles into their house, like, mm. he pisses on dad's grave, and, oh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, oh. he collects up all the guns and throws them in the pond, and yeah. I mean, just that, the last 20, 20 minutes of the movie is oh. pretty much him where, just hanging out at where, their house. Where he has the realization, though, that these oh, are... Oh, that, that kid? That, well, not not that the kid, but that the person, that, the, the person that he's killed is a person, too, very much trapped into these circumstances, and he takes the effort to give him a p- proper burial... Next to his father, I go, look at, you know, he's, he's finally coming into touch that this is a very real experience that was just set off by a, a generation that's above him. He's not really mm-hmm. connected to this story and is carried out. But at the same time, he's going to make the effort to give this guy a burial. Yeah. God, yeah. I, very, very powerful scene to me. Mm-hmm. And, and, Absolutely. I think I think we can uh, certainly we've come up I, well I've come up I don't know about you guys but I've come up with a, uh, a movie rating system for us I mean if if we all agree it's a good movie that's three beers if two of us agree that's two beers if one of us agrees it's one beer I'm, so I'm, I mean I I think we gave this this a three beer this is a three beer movie if, right if you guys weren't going to give it your beers I was going to uh, give it mine so yeah I, I, it was getting three beers it. nonetheless it, but like I said it, it took till after. The movie. What, when, what, when, what, when I thought about it, I had to think about it a while. I was, me and my, I was changing the tire, and of course my daughter's there, but um, her and I drove to the store, and the whole time I'm driving to the store, I'm thinking about this movie. 
and you know, the acting alone makes this movie worth watching. Yeah. And then on top of that, the direction is 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 like you said, it's almost like this foreign film. Yeah. No. And the cinematography is all so beautifully shot. Everything mm-hmm. is framed brilliantly. You talk about the, oh, absolutely! Like the scene where he kills yeah. the guy, the first his first victim in the bathroom. Yeah. It feels tight and compressed, and that's it's exactly personal. That's, that, that's yeah, the point yeah, of yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a very personal. I'm very experience. I'm very affected by any claustrophobic kind of moments in films, and that that bathroom scene had me like I was like, oh god, I can't wait till this part's over. See, I didn't believe he was going to do it until he actually. I'm like, oh shit, he just stabbed the guy in the neck. <laughs> And even even after that, it was like, oh god, this guy's gonna get his ass kicked because this guy's yeah. choking the shit out of him. Yeah. And finally, he just reaches whack right in the side of the head, yeah. right in the temple, that soft spot we got right there. Yeah, knife goes oh, in, and the guy yeah, falls. Yeah. Favorite yeah. scene: the guy dying. I'm sorry to say that, but that guy dying. My poor daughter made her squirm so bad. And <laughs> oh, it's funny god. because my daughter's uh, if it's if it's fake, she doesn't mind it. But if it's realistic, can't stand it. <laughs> Gotta love that girl. Yeah, but, uh, I, I was uh, absolutely I've, amazing. I've always absolutely been. Um, I've always been really deeply affected by any sort of realistic, sort of violent moment in films. I mean, I, for me, I don't know if you've ever you, have you you've seen the David Lynch um, Dune. I've yeah, I've seen much of David Lynch. When I went to see that, I went Lost to see that. Highway, I think, is the only one I haven't seen. Yeah, he's really good at that. He's really good at presenting something violent. In a very realistic way, and in the Dune movie, um, there's that scene where Baron Harkonnen he's floating around and he goes and pulls the guy's little heart plug. Um, oh and, yeah, uh, and that scene, I was lightheaded at the theater when I when I saw that scene. I was like, oh my god, I I feel like I'm gonna pass out. See, I'm not I'm not a big huge real. fan of it, but but I love the book too. So I mean, oh, yeah. the, the David yeah, yeah, film like the... is a far removed from the book, but yeah. it doesn't make it any less a, a wonderful film and a it's great very, drinking he, game. He but... he very much made it his own his own thing. But mm-hmm. um um but yeah, that that scene just just got me in the theater. As far as David Lynch like... films are concerned, that's probably the lesser of of his he actually took his, his he officially removed his name from it. Oh yeah. So that when you see uh, modern. Any presentation nowadays, it's got the uh, Alan Smithy, I think, is the is the standard yeah, that's fill-in the name standard, for, yeah, uh, for a director uh, who's removed his name. Exactly. And um, he's actually had uh, he's actually had the studio come to him and say, "Do you want to recut this film and and make it the way you wanted it to be?" And he's he's just turned it down. He says, "I don't really have time to go back and and do that." And I, I wonder if that has to do with just embarrassment that that is it's notoriously a bad version of Dune, yeah. or whether it's just and that's part of his ego, yeah. or if he honestly thinks. It's just a shit film. So that now I'd be curious to, be. to talk to him about that. But yeah, that I'm ever going to. Yeah. But, but anyway, uh, that's that's like one of the prime examples of a film that really had me freaked out by the presentation. Yeah. And this film did that same thing. Like every time someone got shot or something happened, and I was just like, oh my god, man, I feel like I'm gonna I'm gonna pass out here because it looks real. It looks like I'm watching the yeah. real thing. Yeah, it it, and, uh, it it was very real, and and like I said, uh, we, I think you were gone. I think we can give this the three beers. Uh, Blue Ruin is a three beer movie. Well, I, I was thinking go. each one of us is a beer. We can we can either give it one, two, or three. Did we or actually none. just have a film that we all agreed on? Yeah, <laughs> we did. We just had a film we all agreed on. It does seem to be me that that depends on. I, it has to be me not being. Uh, cranky and picky about it right <laughs> jeff the alcoholic needs more beer okay i will i will accommodate jeff the alcoholic yeah. i'm an enabler we're all done oh. we're all enablers 
<laughs> I, I guess gen- it's house sound now. Gentlemen, I think we're going to have to move on to podcast episode number two and crack open the house sound and just do a little short, short podcast. Okay. Well, are we do we, have a we... couple of more uh, uh, subjects, like uh, we still have to talk about internet dating for middle schoolers and uh, porn gray matter. Oh, let's pour that into a well, let, let's pour that into another podcast. All episode. right. Well, well you've been listening also, to. Guess, hold on, we have to we have to present. You know, we tell everybody what our next film is. Oh, what be. is our next film? Are we going to do next, the? the that? I guess so. Let's just do it. And I mean, if it's a, right. if it's a problem, maybe we can tweet to everybody that we're going to change our film. But um, I, my only concern about this film was that it's it's been around for a while. It's an indie film, and it it might be. A little hard to track down because it was made in 1998, which is news to me. By the way, I thought it was made around 2005, but it's a, which it's is a, around the time you watched it. No no, 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 I actually watched it a few years ago, a couple of years ago on Netflix. Um, well, if it's, it's on Netflix, it's on Netflix. We can watch it. Yeah, it's not there anymore though. Oh. The Netflix does that kind of. Um, but anyway, it they're from... that way. <laughs> <laughs> we love Netflix, by the way, which is half the time where I'm always like, great. I don't need to buy that movie because love... it's on Netflix, and then yeah. I go to watch it, and it's gone. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway, it's from 1998. It's a Canadian indie film called Last Night. Um, it is... It's got to have Cronenberg in it if it's Canadian. No, 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 no. It's no, a, no, no, no. It's, a, it's a beautiful, beautiful movie. It's not in. I need to go back and watch it. It's not fantasy. Spoiler, it's... I think he has a cameo in it. <laughs> but uh, it's... I. I found this movie incredibly moving. It's technically, I guess it's a science fiction movie, although it won't play that way when you're watching it. Um, it's about a group of people. It, basically, the premise is the world is coming to an end, and everybody knows it. They never explain in the movie why. They don't ever I say. Yeah, I think I've seen say, it as well. Really? Yeah. Oh, man, I don't want to pick a movie. No, no, because I, I'm not. I, it's not. Okay, it's let's, not, let's it's not up here. Okay, now. We, we'll watch you, it again. If this is your pick, we'll do your pick. But the okay, last, Rick? The last okay. few moments of this movie, and I won't give any spoilers, obviously. I, I was really, really moved by the last, literally the last few seconds of this movie. And um, so I'd like to, I'm going to choose that one, and hopefully we can find it. If I can find it, I'll, I'll share it with you guys, or we'll... we'll. I'm sure we'll be able to find it. Yeah. Maybe we can so. hit up Film as Truth, if anything. You know, they, they're going to have a copy of it. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, maybe. And I can certainly copy that. You can... No, I can't copy that, because that would be illegal, source sir. on the internet. Um, anyway, um... <laughs> Yes, it's either Netflix or at your local uh, Film is Truth, yeah. which is a wonderful place in Bellingham that still actually uh, rents movies, and it's not a red box. You actually get to talk to a human being yeah. and uh, go in and, and and look for your movie, which I do miss a little bit. I do miss that. Do you guys find it? I mean, I don't know if you guys have a problem with I know we're at the end of the podcast, but yeah. real quick. Um, Very much at the end. That. Back in the like '90s, we used to have no problem paying five bucks a shot to rent a movie. But now that uh, I look at iTunes and I see that it's five bucks, I'm like, "Fuck that! I'm not going to pay five. I can go to Redbox and pay a buck. Yeah, I know. Why? I wonder why the well, difference well, you, is. You talk about it like that, and my my problem with that has always been the few instances where I've done that. The image quality is so poor, and it takes forever to download. Why wouldn't I just torrent it? It's better quality. Maybe it comes that's faster. it. Maybe that's it. Maybe I feel like I'm I'm shouldering part of the burden of getting this film to me. It should be a little cheaper than yeah. kids. Don't torrent. That's right. <laughs> it's illegal. Don't do this at home. It's immoral. And that's been Jeff and Rick and Mike, and uh, this is episode number six of the Beer Plus Three podcast. And we'll eventually come up with a title. And we love you all. Bye bye. So the matter has been settled once and for all. This podcast may be filled with drunken, chaotic semi-pornographic and profanity-laced talk, but it's art. Beer Plus 3 featured Jeff Swatman, Michael Zamora and Rick Anderson. 
please subscribe so you won't miss out on future alcohol-fueled antics. Good night.